can you play uh crazy looking whatever the deuce in the key of blah blah <laughs> crazy times, the world just needs a hero to help cut through all the noise. Well, now you have two. Good morning, good evening, and good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Heroes of Noise. After a brief hiatus, I'm your host, Steve. What? We are back, aren't we? This is amazing. Welcome, everybody. Heroes of Noise, episode 33. You got your boy Dan talking at you right now. Welcome back. It's crazy that uh, we have been gone so long, but I've been trying to record, but Dan's just not into it. Let's, I mean, we just got to put it out there. Dan's just not into it. He's like, you know, Heroes of Noise is kind of boring to me because my life is so awesome. I was like, you know what? I get it. Right off the bat. This is what you came back for, everybody. <laughs> Whole bunch of bullshit. Welcome to the shit show. Yeah, you Dude. know what, though? I will say that the absence of, of Heroes of Noise is actually 100% on me. Um, had some surgery. I know you, some of you that listen to the other show, and we'll get to that in a little bit, uh, know my situation, but I had some shoulder surgery, and I was, I've re I was recovering. Okay, I'll get a little deep with you, Steve. You want to get a little Barbara Walters, Walters I would me? love to. No <clears throat> tears for Barbara Walters, though. She, she's no, good at that. I'm going to talk about it, honestly. I was, I've was i been thinking it. about on whether or not I really wanted to go there, and I believe this is the first time you're actually going to hear this, too. But um, I'm gay. No, I'm just kidding. What I was, oh, I'm about to be like, dude, I was literally <laughs> like, dude, this is about to get serious. No, no, it's not serious. But I will say that when all was said and done, I've been off for the last four weeks, and I go back on August 20th, hopefully. Mm -hmm. I think there's not going to be a problem with that. But during my time off, I realized something major. And what it was was that I was completely, without a doubt, without question, burnt out so bad. I was not myself. I mean, I was, I was kind of like a detached from everything. Now, I wanted to make sure that we got the word out, not the word out, but our show, the word out, because it's timed, you know, it's, it's something that we have to do week to week. So I've really been trying to focus on that. But I needed a couple of weeks off, man, a few good weeks of just sort of taking care of me because I was getting really burnt out. My memory was getting bad. Um, I was getting edgy, almost more emotional than I normally am. Um, I just, I couldn't focus. It was really weird. I was going through something and I, I contribute that 100% to just working all the time. We've talked about this a lot on this show and how much I work, but I've been really burnt out. So I've been really wanting to get back to this for like the last like honestly wanting to get back to it for about the last week. And because of our schedules, it just didn't really line up right. Steve's been, yeah. he, you know, cause Steve has, he works and I haven't been working. And the times that we had, we only had like maybe an hour to do a show or something. And it just, you know, we don't, we didn't want to come back and just drop like an hour on you. Maybe we should yes. have, maybe that would have been the right thing to do. But to be honest, guys, I needed a break and it has nothing to do with the show. This is uh, my, one of my main sources of fun. I love doing podcasting, but I needed a little time to kind of get my brain back in order. So that honestly is the truth, Steve. That's one of the main reasons why there's no, there has been no show, why there's been a, I believe a five week span between episode 32 and 33. Like you're, you always have been, a, as far as, as long as I've known you, you've been a workhorse. Like you work, 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 work. It's kind of a good thing that you have some time to chill now, you know, to breathe. The hard thing about breathing is you're like, why don't I do this more? And then life tells you because you can't. And then that, that goes to that spiral. 
Yeah, I'm having that realization right now because I have, well, you know, people listen. So I've got some things that I need to do to change in my life. And I'm mm -hmm. just trying to figure out exactly how to do that. But I can tell you yes. one thing for sure, sir, it's coming. Particularly, and we won't get into this. Uh, we talked about it off mic, but considering that you might be going through some changes uh, in your... Yes, yes. You know what I'm saying? Uh -huh. uh, it's going to make it a lot easier for me to do what I need to do as well. I know, you know it probably makes no sense to you guys, but I think you do know what I'm talking about, right? Oh, for sure. Like, right. sorry to keep it cryptic. My changes is going to be is going to. I mean, because there's going to be nothing keeping you from making your changes. Not even even if it was like point one percent. Well, that point one percent is gone. Even though there's other factors, I know. Um, but like, it's really interesting to see you now because now you're like you're you're so kind of chill. Like even the there was an issue that happened to you. I don't know if you want to go into it. We could cut this out if you want. Oh, I don't. There care. was an issue. There was an issue that happened at your house, and you just took it in stride. I was like, damn, <laughs> it's just a leak. There's a leak. I know, but normally you would have been like this freaking. Like I think it would have made you more upset than you. I was. I knew it was a weird thing because I was surprised at how cool you took it. I was like, he's not tripping. Normally this would be a thing that's just like deck on it, and now this. But it wasn't that for you. I was like, oh, this is chill dan a much more loose dan yeah absolutely oh, you've had like, time okay. to, i've had time to like decompress man i feel good yeah and what's weird is i'm getting bored now like i don't necessarily want to go back to work just yet but i'm finding ways to keep myself entertained my house is clean as like it's crazy clean like you're not the not like the daily clean but you know that like when we're getting ready to move you got to clean out all that kind of stuff oh, yes. all, that shit's all taken care of now I've, we've really been kind of kicking ass at that over the last few days but i took a good solid three weeks off and just sat around man resting watching a lot of television it was weird too because um the medication that i've been on i had to stop taking because i couldn't concentrate i watched so much television and i've watched a few movies and everything and i was unable to retain most of it man i had to like yeah. really write these things out because my brain just wasn't working right you know recently i went to a little event and i was around some friends uh well not friends but friends of friends and my immediate thought when I was invited to the event was no. Automatically. I'm literally saying, they're like, would you like to come to this thing? And I'm like, no. In my brain. Oh, okay. I thought you were just like, telling no. them, nah, no thanks. Don't oh, want any part of it. Oh, it was an automatic no. And I had to think, I said, you know what? Let me tell you, this is an epiphany I came to this week, Dan. Oh, is this so, what we were starting to talk yes, about the other day? Yes, oh, yes. do tell. I'm very interested. You see, you see, ladies and gentlemen, I believe Steve's going through a life change. I is am. That, okay, you are. There's so no question. It's life accurate. change. And it's little things. Like, I was watching last week. There's a show um, on, well, it's on, it's a podcast, but it's a show that I accidentally stumbled across on YouTube. Okay. And this show, what they do is they bring up comedians. They pull a they pull a name out of a hat. I guess comedians go into the uh, the the spot and they put their name in a hat. And what they do is they have a bunch of guest comedians, like popular people that are really good comedians, and they'll pick uh, out a name out of the hat. And whoever it is, they get up on stage and do a minute of like newcomers do a minute of comedy. And then after the comedy, you might get ripped apart by these comedians up there about how terrible it was, or if you do well, great. But of course, if it's your first time or second time, you're going to just bomb. And now these professional comedians are destroying you. Question for you real quick. Yes. So the people that are performing, is it improvisational or do they have like a little act? They have they a have? snip, but sometimes they get nervous and rush. And then people laugh and they're like, 
All right. Well, that was a, a minute is longer than I thought. And they're sitting up there for 30 seconds in silence. For real, a minute's long, man. If you're, oh doing, anything that's, if you're doing anything poorly for a minute, it's a really long time. It's a really And so they think that their joke was longer than a minute, but they're like, oh, no, that was it. And so they get destroyed and they kind of just have to sit there and, and they, the, the comedians are like, what do you do for a living? And they, you know, they'll tell them what they do. And sometimes they'll be like, well, maybe you should just stick to that more thing. And yeah. cause you're just, and it's just a destruction zone. And I was like, look at this, this is ridiculous. And something dawned on me and it said, I said, cause I was laughing at the comedians too. And something in my brain said, these people are getting in front of some of their favorite comedians and bombing. Steve, when is the last time you did something that brave in your life? Jeez Louise, dude. Well, don't beat yourself up, man. You put yourself out weekly. You know what I mean? I mean, you're not, always it's talking not about that yourself. Brave, but something is, that's not brave. Like, I'm doing something that the things I do in front of people, I know I'm good at at a certain point. But there was never a time I would have got in front of my favorite musician and just played a song that I just wrote. That's what they're doing. That is crazy. I was like, I need to do more brave things and that starts by doing the bare minimum hypothetical situation like let's say you met stevie wonder yes and you just happen to be in a room where there's a piano and he said well let, mm -hmm. let's see what you got man would you do it uh after this week yeah before no before way. this be like, yeah before this week oh not a chance because i'd be like stevie sir i'm sorry but um you wrote ribbon in the sky you wrote songs in i can't do this you, the, my favorite songs of all time came from your brain. I can't now sit down and, even though chances are he loves music so much that he'd find something wonderful in whatever. He'd be like, you know, I really liked that whatever it was. That's really good. But I'm thinking in my brain, oh, he's gonna, like, I don't even know what I think he'd say. Would he be like, get up and be like, go back to work, you suck at music, thank you for your time. I mean, he's not gonna do that. Worst case scenario, he's just going to be like, you know, you need to work on the, the chorus isn't catchy enough. This isn't catchy. All the best musicians, like I was taught when I was going to, um, when someone was like, hey, I want you to teach my uh, child how to play the keys. And I was like, I don't know if I could teach. Someone said, you don't, if you don't, if you don't know how to teach, you don't know anything. You don't, wait, how does it go? It's, it's a saying something like, um, you're not really good at what you do unless you could teach it to someone else. Because if you can't teach it to someone else, you don't really know what you're doing. You don't. You just know some cheat codes, but the only way you know if you're great at what you do is if you can actually impart that knowledge into someone else. You could break it down to its bare minimum and then build it from there. Otherwise, you just know surface level stuff. Like what you do for a living, you could break it down to the bare bones Whereas your friend who's going to school right now, when that person comes out, she couldn't teach somebody. She just doesn't know it well enough. Whereas you could be like, all right, let me show you how to do this thing. <laughs> that one might be able to. <laughs> you know what so? I'm, I Well, look who we're talking about. Yeah, but you you know, but you know. No, I get your point completely. Yeah, you know, I know the what specifics. Like if you're like, if I said, I don't know how to make this machine do that. And I can't remember how the book says to do it. You would be able to say, skip the book here's an easy way to remember how to do that thing whereas people coming out of school only know the book way that's how it's going for me i'd be like they say i don't know how to play in the key of c sharp minor i'd be like all right take c sharp minor out of your brain and play an e and they'll be like oh 
oh, okay. But some people that just came out of school would be like, well, you're just going to have to learn C-sharp minor and deal with life. And I'd be like, no, you don't, because that crap sucks. Here's how you remember how to play it, you know? And uh, so I need to, my main thing is trying to get out of my bubble and start from the bare minimum and start being like, when someone says, hey, you should come to this thing this weekend. Instead of being like, no, I'm not. I'm going to say, you know what? I will, unless something comes up and truthfully say, I'm going to go. And if something comes up, I can't go. But if, if nothing comes up, I'll go even if it's for half an hour. I'll go show up, say, thank you for inviting me. I really appreciate it, and leave. Like when I went to that event, everybody was saying, uh, I can't believe you're here. You walked in and you heard a, like a <laughs> numerous voices go. <gasps> exactly. Like people walked up. They're like, oh my gosh, he came out of the cave. Holy cow. And I That's was like, good Damn. though, man. You know what? Here's your situation. And I, I'm very similar to that, by the way. But you're a man that's on his own. You lead mm -hmm. a, a single life. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And mm -hmm. so as long as you're getting out enough, I think you're doing okay. But if you do say no to everything, which I know you don't say no to everything. Oh, I say no but, to a lot, bro. Well, okay. <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> but you don't want to be like a recluse. Exactly. But even if I stay in the house, there's a thing you asked me a while ago. You were like, hey, I'm going to be interviewing this person. And it was automatic. I'm cool. Yeah. It wasn't a how do I go about <laughs> making this happen? Thank you it's for just, bringing that up because that really wasn't the back of my mind. I'm not lying to you. In the, in the circle of things in my brain, it went from I'm cool. And then, Steve, how do you make an excuse to make this harder than it is? Because if I make it harder than it is, then even you will be like, yeah, that is kind of difficult, isn't it? But it starts at no, then, okay, what reasons it, What reasons is it a no? Oh, because it would be easier if we were together, and we're not going to probably be together because we have such a weird schedule. Chances are he's going to schedule the interview on this day, and I got to work. There's no way I'm going to get over there. It's just way easier. And then the weird breaks in conversation, it's easier if one person's talking. Yeah, you map it all out before anything happens. Easily. But if I start at a yes, now I have to convince myself into a no. Now you just have to slowly work your way back to a no, yeah, right? <laughs> but yes, well, it's, it, if it's yes and it's a good idea, yeah. it's hard to convince yourself into a no without knowing you're a fraud. Well, without getting into it, because I do like to keep surprises, yeah. keep things you know on the down low. Don't you mm -hmm. think this is a good idea? It will only help us out. The interview's a great idea. And you the know thing what is, I mean? And the thing, all it is is, it's just in my brain, it's one less thing I have to do. Right. Whereas everything I do in that situation where I'm like, someone will be like, no, you're coming. Then I go, when I go, I'm like, you know what? That was freaking awesome. Why did I not want to go to that thing? And I guarantee after the interview, I'd be like, you know what, dude? That was fun than a mug. And you just never know what happens. You never know what someone says when they leave. You never know what someone says to their friends being like, you know, I've gone on a lot of interviews, but the most fun I've had you just never know. And it's like little drops like that, that it's little things like that, that sprinkle throughout that you just, you're like, oh, you know what? I need to start making, the only way to make a splash is to say yes to things, is to actually say, you know what? I'm going to give that a try. I'm going to, the only thing you have in anything is your reputation. If, and if you never know who says what to someone about you, and uh, next thing you know, you're somewhere. I mean, even if you like around town, you like I'll get a call. I got a call last Christmas, and she's like, "Hi, I'm I'm I forgot her name from Clovis. I'm having an event. 
<laughs> you went and automatic nope. <laughs> my thought was no. You heard Clovis. That's all you heard. Oh, dude. Dude. And so she's like, um, I'm having a, an event. And I called someone. I mean, a person I haven't called, talked to in years. They're like, who's a key a person on the keys that you know? And he said my name. I'm like, you know what? Though, What could happen on a bigger scale than that? Like, what if one day the people we interview, someone's like, hey, we were, we're trying to go to a, a, a lesser known, something that's not so obvious. Where, where do you think, is there anybody that, and who knows if the person was like, you know what, I just, there's a really fun few dudes that would, you know, they're really fun. They have a good time. And they don't just talk about bull crap. Whereas, let's say you did it alone. You killed it. And now it's a situation he's like, oh, dude, it's a guy that's really great. And so next time I decide to, okay, let's do it. Now it's a different pod. They come on and they're like, this is not the one that we came to first. It's a different podcast now. Whereas if we're, if I said yes, now they know exactly what they're, everything changed. It's a little ripple that changes everything. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. It's a a little ripple that changes everything. Whereas they're like, uh, we kind of wanted it this way. Well, I'm here now. Like, yeah, but that's not what we wanted. It was a one-on-one when I was referring this podcast. Not saying it would be a bad thing, but that's what he had in his brain when he sent, you know what I'm saying? And sure. It's little ripples like that that I'm just like, well, what else that I said no to? What would have happened had I, if I can go back in time, said, what if you would have went to that event? What would have happened there? And maybe it's nothing, or maybe I run into someone who's uh, knows this person and a random person that knows this person. You just never know what butterfly effect it ends up happening. So You never really, know until you try, Steve. Until you try. And I just decided I'm going to stop saying an odd, like some things I'm going to say no to. Like if I, just like with you, if you had, you know, your family and there was a good opportunity, you're like, I'm sorry, but I'm going somewhere with my family. I would love to do it, but I'm going somewhere. Or so if I'm chilling with my son and, you know, uh, we're watching the jerk for the first, he still needs to watch it for the first time. And we're watching it and and someone's like, hey, great opportunity. We have an interview. I would have to say right now we're doing a family heirloom and I can't leave. I wouldn't even answer the phone. Whereas if I'm sitting there playing video games with him and, you know, we're just kind of, he's on his phone kind of in between matches and someone's like, hey, we have a um, thing that is really a Stevie Wonder's coming to town or some silliness. Huh. I wouldn't be like, oh, you know what? Dang, I'm chilling right now. No, it's like, okay. Or whoever. It's like, you know what? I'll be right back. My grown almost son. I will return in a few hours. I got to go do this thing. He'll be like, okay. I'll be here playing video games when you get back. Whereas I would have just used, oh, I'm playing video games with my son. He could not bear to be without me right now. It's really bonding time. I'm making that a thing. Yeah, if you tell me that, I'm going to call bullshit. Yes, because he's, I'm like, bonding time. Your kid's time, a man. <laughs> he is a man now. Whereas he really if, I, is. If, I, if I told you, hey, uh, Dan, we're having a little bit of talk about college. Then you'd be like, oh, dude, yeah, this is a, that's a talk. You got to, got to, got to, got to have it. If I'm just like, you know, we're watching, um, Nacho Libre, you would be able to say, Steve, I know you've seen that movie. You and him have seen that movie 128 times. Why don't you want to do this for real? Well, first I'd say, why the fuck are you watching Nacho Libre? That's what I would say first. First of all, that's a great movie. It's one of my favorite comedies of all time. Really? I'm not judging you. I'm just, I had really, no, I watched it once years ago. Well, I'm talking about when I was like 20, I forgot how old I was, but I watched it years ago and it wasn't funny. 
And then my, well, my son and I, when he was like seven or eight, started watching it and we would die laughing. And it slowly grew into, now we could quote the movie. Now you know what happened to me the other day? It was that. I discovered that Jim, this is just my opinion, of course, that Jim Carrey is very dated. A certain part of Jim Carrey's like career, like for oh, instance, tell me, go I, on. I watched Liar Liar. Oh, it's, dude, I couldn't take Dan. it. Dan. I Dan. couldn't do it. When's the last time we saw Liar Liar? About 10 years ago. Yeah. Watch that motherfucker now. It's not the same, dude. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. I have it in my brain. What part is dated? All of it. His. Per, I'm talking about. His you over just, the top thing? He's too over the top. Yeah. Yeah. So it's too much. So you is dated? Uh, well, that's different because it's Ace Ventura. It's a, it's a, it's a thing in itself. You know what I mean? But Liar Liar is the story of a lawyer that just can't, you know, it's, it's one of those classic eight kind of, even though it came out in the 90s, I believe it's the 90s, maybe it's even 2000s, but um, that, that classic story of, oh, I wish my dad would do something, blow out the candle and the next day he wakes up and he, you know, you know the story, it's Liar Liar is what I'm getting at. But this is shocking, dude. This is dude, a it's real... really not that shocking. Like if you watch this movie, you're going to really? see what I'm talking about. Yeah. I was watching it with Gail and we loved that movie. We went yes. and saw it and I remember laughing my ass off. Dude. Yes. Dude. I'm, dude, you're talking. Trust me. <laughs> trust me. You're talking to a guy that used to be a big fan. I'm not. I'm still a fan. Yeah. But I like I love the movie. I've seen it multiple times. I said, oh, I'm going to throw this on. We were just sitting there. Nothing was on. And about maybe 15 to 20 minutes into it, we looked at each other. And we're like, really? are you enjoying this? Is now this, you got me worried. Like I, dated, I think I might right? have to. The expiration date has passed, my friend. Uh-oh, pause. Okay, this was a brief pause. It was a little glitch in the matrix real quick. Sorry, guys. Um, now. All the ones did... and zeros disappeared. Yes. And so um, I had to listen back to my audio. And guys, I'm a loud person, turns out, because I almost blew my eardrum. I mean, damn. My you guys didn't know that, though, right? almost blew because I have my. And I only have my earphone level like halfway and my ears, when I started being like, Dan, I was like, holy crap. Jeez Louise. Okay. Anyway. Um, I was coming in hot too, though. So I'm glad that you pointed that out because I brought my levels down a little bit too. Mine. Yeah. my I got to chill. Oh, but, but after this conversation. So <laughs> Dan, you were saying that Ace Ventura. Now, please tell liar, the liar. audience. Liar, liar. More specifically. I'm sorry. Uh, Jim Carrey's Liar Liar is not as good as, as it used to be, as it was when you first watched it. But you specifically said the court scene when he tells them, tell the audience what you said. That was a little that you think is no, a that I just, well, I, would, I don't know. I, I was just, I said where I stopped. That's where I stopped the movie Jeez. because I couldn't watch it anymore. But it wasn't necessarily that. I had just had enough at that point. But that's- You don't have to agree with me, people. This is just my opinion. And they're like assholes. We all know what those do. And it's like- I just didn't feel it anymore. However, I was watching a movie last night while I was editing the other show. So I wasn't really wasn't watching it. But, oh, God. What was it called? Uh, Jim Carrey plays a gay guy. And oh, oh um, uh, uh, I now no, that's not it. It's with Ewan McGregor. Yes, that's the one. It Where looked crazy. In prison. Yeah. Yeah. It looked that's a really good crazy. movie, dude. I'm going to go back and watch it that's again because it just movie. looked so crazy. Gail was really into it. But um, I was just so focused on editing that I didn't really pay that much attention. But just watching his actions and everything, I don't mind Jim Carrey. Again, I'm a fan of Jim Carrey. It's just, um, I don't know, there's just certain things that I can't watch anymore. And that would definitely be one of them. Now I kind of want to go back and see, like if the other ones are still that way. With the exception of, say, you know, um, Ace Ventura, 
uh what's the other one the other one uh the mask of course oh dude the mask come on man but any of his dramatic stuff i'm cool with i'll watch that okay i got a question for you what up tangentially what's your favorite jim carrey movie you got me on the spot my brother uh let's see i really like the truman show that's a darn I think that's good a great movie, movie. Yeah, it's really good. But I would have to say that's just the one that I'm, oh, oh, though, however. <laughs> um, Dumb and Dumber might be my favorite. Dude. That movie Dude. is classic. And that's the thing. I don't mind that kind of over the top because the character is already over the top. I just had a problem with trying to like, okay. And, and granted, this is a comedy, I guess. Yes, yes. But if is. I was in the courtroom, I'd be like, what the fuck's wrong with this guy? You know what? Just watch the movie. Because it's, I'm not going to be able to really defend myself here. I'm just telling you that it didn't hit me right. You ever eat something? You eat it a bunch of times. It's wonderful. You eat it one time. You're like, you know what? I don't think I like that anymore. I think oh, I for sure. it too much. Because I That's overdid it, it, yes. Yeah. Okay, well, it. then, in that case, uh, what about this? Do you think that, because Dumb and Dumber is an over-the-top character, too. Do you think that that is going to hold up for you on another watch? Still does. I don't know what it is. That movie just... I'm not talking about Jim Carrey as a person. He's a fucking asshole. No, I, know, I hate him. He's a it, hack. They kind no, no, of, no. I'm just saying that movie just didn't do it But for they're me kind of in the same general vicinity, though. Yeah, but we're, we're dealing with, you know, an attorney. Again, it's all about suspension of disbelief. If I'm able to just go, ah, it's just Jim Carrey, I can watch the movie just fine. But I'm telling you that watching liar liar just didn't cut it for me anymore there's a lot of tropes in that movie i don't like even as kid remember that 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 90 80s and 90s haircut that totally totally i'm already out as soon as i saw the haircut i'm like oh shit i know what (laughs) i know where we are well here's a question it's that joey lawrence used to have that haircut here's a question uh maybe well no more of a statement you know it's a question would you say that you're more into jim carrey when he's playing someone else because you like him in the mask which is someone else you like well, they're him. all someone else. Well, I'm saying every single movie he makes is someone else. In the movie, he actually is someone. He's not playing a series like, uh, um, in uh, Man on the Moon, he's playing someone else. Ooh, that's a good one too. In Mask, he transforms into someone else. In Liar Liar, something happens where he can't be himself. Uh, Dumb and Dumber, he's a different human being, really. There's nothing where he has, the only thing where he has to do acting chops is probably the Truman Show. That's the one where he had to be just an actor. Well, I mean, all of them have to be actors, but it's kind of more, it's the closest thing to a person that he's played. Would you, would you say, would you say so? Or, and the one that you were talking about with Ewan McGregor. No, nah, um, dude, I'll just simplify it. It's just that movie. <laughs> like I, I, I didn't take that much time to really, wow, I'm still coming in hot. Hold on guys. Sorry about that. No problem. There we go. Um, I didn't really put that much thought into it, dude. I'm just telling you that I watched so Liar Liar and I wasn't feeling anymore. Now, I could go back and write a whole you know, thesis on it or something like that if you'd like to have me do so. But I would love a thesis, actually. I bet you would, you ass. No, I'm I just kidding. I just, um, no, man, I just wasn't feeling anymore. But I'm not here to knock Jim Carrey. I'm here to have some fun, dude. Well, note to self. Note to self. Next time I have a liar liar listening party you have a lot of those do you yeah, oh dude i have a ton of them and now you're not invited you just you now can't give me a yes when you could have been, you know so now you can't say yes to that thing like we were just talking about fair enough all right i think and, and by the by the way that movie is called i love you philip morris 
Yes, that's the one. Yes, I just I didn't want to leave the listeners thinking that we're just sitting here just bullcrapping us. Set. Um. Anyway, we're totally bullcrapping right now, and I don't mind it, man. It's kind of nice. Before we get Catching into the, the good stuff, I know you want to give out some contact information after that wonderful intro because we haven't seen y'all in five weeks. What do you expect us to do? Just sit here and just talk? Come on, man. We haven't heard. We haven't seen our beautiful, awesome, and amazing audience members in a very long time. So we want to let you know how to get in contact with us. Damn right we do, Steve. All right, let's do it. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, what is happening? Welcome back to the show. You are listening to the Heroes of Noise. This is not a drill, and I welcome you. If you want to get a hold of the show, please hit us up at heroesofnoisepodcast at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Twitter at Heroes of Noise. Myself, Dan, at Dan Q Public, and my buddy Steve over there, Mr. I Love Liar Liar, at at S-E underscore Hudson Music. Uh, what else can we do here? You know what? We are on Facebook. We are on Instagram. Just look up Heroes of Noise Podcast. But you can get all of this at www.heroesofnoise.com. Check out the site. We're working on it. I'm getting ready to go. I'm. Oh, by the way, Steve, uh, didn't even tell you yet. I'm ready to go into the land of WordPress now. So it's going to be looking pretty wow. zazzy by the time we're done. Yeah. Maybe. We'll see. I got a lot of... I'm telling you, I'm bored. <laughs> I'm bored, so I want to do this stuff. But anyway, yeah, so heroesofnoise.com. It's going to be looking sharp. I'm telling you. Sharp as a fucking tack. And uh, while you're there, go ahead and subscribe to the show. Subscribe to our other show, too, guys. Do you like Preacher? Because we do a show about Preacher. AMC comes on Sundays at 10 p.m. If you're lucky and you got the good cable, it comes on at 7 if you're on the, on the Pacific side of things. But uh, we do a show called The Word, the unofficial Preacher podcast, where we break down the show week to week and compare it directly to the comics. So, uh, you know, hop in. Maybe you're going to find something that you really like if you're not familiar with it. It's a great fucking show, and they're having the best season yet. You can find us at heroesofnoise.com. And, uh, you know, while you're there, subscribe to the show. Give us a five-star review if you can. We would really appreciate that. And just know that you can hit us up and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, YouTube. We're pretty much everywhere, guys. Uh, that's pretty much it for now. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. There is one more thing. I'm working on a voicemail, so we should have something hopefully by next week. And Actually, we already have it. I just have to figure out how to use the damn thing. And I'll talk about that on the next show. Sir, back to you. So, in your time that you've been at home... Uh, convalescing. Convalescing. That was, that was actually the word I was looking for. Thank you so very much. <laughs> um, you've had some time to watch a few things, Dan. I assume... You have watched some a time bunch. To watch. I, you've watched a bunch. Give us a few of those. Tell us how you liked them. And hopefully one of those things isn't liar, liar. <laughs> watched a bunch, but I'm only talking about a few today. See, guys, guess what? I'm going on vacation, so I don't have a lot of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to be doing a little uh, shorter show. I wanted to do a big old four-hour banger, but I just don't have the time for it today because we've got shit to do. So I'm going to give you a few, a little, a taste of what I've been dealing with over the last couple of weeks. Let's do it. All right, Steve, so I'm getting ready to start up here, and I'm curious about something. Mm-hmm. Did you, as a little kid, as a little, little Stevie, did you watch Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood? I don't think you could have avoided it back in the day. It was That's hard true. to avoid. Yeah, it was, it was one of those things where it would just come on because we only had how many channels? And one of those, ch- oh, because I was on PBS, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, I used to watch Channel 8. I used to watch it, yeah. And did you gain anything? From the inside of Fred Rogers? Uh, I own- Here's the answer. You did. I guarantee you did. I, no, there's no question. I, there's, is, I mean, mind you, look, I have everyone take their shoes off before they come in my house. How do I know it's not from that show? Because I know my mom and dad never did it. I have people taking their shoes off before I get into my, to, before they come in my house. Also, 
Well, now I feel like a heel because I didn't take my shoes off. I think you did. I guarantee you I didn't. Okay. Well, I got to remember that next time. <laughs> yeah, next time. <laughs> but, but, um, Maybe you were just being polite. I You're probably like, oh, was. And, I, and also, it's a weird thing because I need to get... Some people... I've been to some houses where they have booties that you can put on. And I was like, that's really a smart... She's like... And the person was like, yeah. Because a lot of people don't... They're not prepared. They have to prepare themselves not to take off their shoes, dude. A lot of people have to prepare themselves. They've been walking around kind of barefoot all day. They're like, oh my Oof. God. Yeah, so they're like, if you give them booties, everything's fine. They feel great. Um, so I have them right there. But I might have gotten that from Mr. Rogers. And I remember him being just so unbelievably over-the-top kind. But it was a kind time. Because there was also Sesame Street that taught you how to be kind to people. So it was just a... He was just another kind soul on TV. PBS was a kind channel. Yeah, it was a kinder time, but you also have to consider that everything wasn't at your reach. That's you can true. see what's going on in the world just by opening up Twitter. That's true. And these days, you know, I actually got away from Facebook and, you know, back then when it was like back in the old days, yes. when it was MySpace. Uh -huh. I got away from each of those platforms because of ignorance. You know what I mean? Yes. But now, Maybe it was always there, but because that's like my main place I go. Yes. It's, it's, and I guess it really just depends on what you subscribe to, who you follow, I should say. But it's, yeah. it's nasty. It's nasty right now. Did, when you were a child, did you often watch? Were you a person that watched it every, when did it come? Yes. Was it getting a, back to Mr. Yeah. Rogers' neighborhood, it was a daily thing. Oh, I Monday through that. Friday. Okay. Yeah. I'd go over to my grandma's house and Aww. she wasn't like a TV babysitter, you know, but I, I got down with some Fred Rogers. So I watched it all the time. Loved it. So, on that note, the first thing I'm going to talk about that I watched was something that's been out for a while, but I haven't talked about it yet, so I'm going to tell you guys what I think, and it's Won't You Be My Neighbor, which is the documentary about Fred Rogers. Dude, this is a beautiful movie. God. This is probably... I'm going to tell you this right now. Fred Rogers was a fucking superhero. You know what I mean? He really was. And I'm going to explain why in just a little bit about this guy. But so to me, this is like the most solid superhero movie there was, man. This dude, mm -hmm. I came out of this movie, guys. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, I have been known to shed a tear at movies. You know what I mean? It just depends on what it is. But it's not my normal behavior that I do. But it happens from time to time, especially as I get older. I came out of this movie with eyes wet, not like <laughs> crying. They were like happy tears mm -hmm. or or yeah, I guess they would be called happy tears. It wasn't a sad thing. Yes. But um just legitimate tears flowing down my face. This is what this movie did to me. And it's not like my normal behavior. I, I defy you. Matter of fact, I'm going to tell you right now, you go out in this movie and you come out and your eyes are dry. You're a terrible person Where or you're just you way it? tougher than I am. Where did I see it? I saw it at our, uh, we live in Fresno. I saw it at Edwards Theater. They had it at Edwards, huh? I believe it's still there. I didn't know. Well, then I got to go. I, I thought that you had to like go to like Clovis and you know me and Clovis. And yeah, so I thought you so were, far. I thought you were going to go. I thought you had to go over there because we don't have uh, a lot. of. But then again, Edwards has been doing really good with independent films lately. Yeah, they've done quite a few of them lately. Nice. Uh, this one is something that my wife and I caught. Oh, and how did she absolute, do? Oh, she was crying. She was, she's a mess anyway in movies. She cries all the time. But, dude, I'm telling you, this, this is definitely worth some tears. That is really awesome. Yeah, uh, it, and the movie's just as awesome. This movie covers the life and legacy of Fred Rogers. And as we just said, he hosted Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. There's a lot of things I didn't know about him. I knew that he had some musical talent, but this movie really displayed his musical Dude, that ability. dude could play. He was great He on could the piano. play, G. Yeah. Like, yeah. legit. It was, it was really cool to see him, you know, because it's a documentary. So you're seeing 
another side of him that's not projected through the you know yes. the, the neighborhood of make-believe and there's just a lot i learned about him man do you recall one of his his uh main characters little puppets that he used to yes. use daniel daniel mm-hmm. the lion do you remember daniel the lion yes well what this movie ends up saying is that uh it more or less is a representation of fred rogers inner self mostly like his childhood because he grew up he was kind of a little bit of a, a chubby kid didn't have a lot of friends uh, graduated from Pittsburgh Theo- uh, Theological Seminary. Holy cow. Yeah, dude. He was on track to be a, um, a Protestant minister. I see Did that. I say that right? Protestant? I see that. Protestant. Yeah, I see that. Yeah, it didn't sound right when I said it, but yeah, but that's what he was. He was wow. on track to do so. I think he might have actually even been ordained, but he fell in love with television. You know, he, he at the time that he was graduating high school and getting ready to go to college, he fell in love with this new concept of television. And he just knew that that's what he wanted to do. So he chose to use his gift and his his love for um, he always was one to advocate for children. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, I'm not going to compare the two, but you know how Michael Jackson had that inner child all the time. No jokes. I'm just telling you, he had an inner child, an inner childness about him. Uh, That was definitely there. He was in touch with that himself, but he was just it just projected differently. You know what I mean? He didn't. uh, well, I mean, listen, you know, as, you know as well as I do that I'm a huge fan of Michael Jackson. Yes. I thought he was weird. <laughs> you know, he just well, had very weird I mean, behavior. The thing is, the way he was raised, if he would have grown up normal, if he would have ended up normal, I would have been like, wait, how? Well, then again, well, no, all the Jacksons are different. So never mind. They're all different. <laughs> They're so, all yeah. different <laughs> so I'm not here to knock on the Jacksons. But yeah. what I'm saying is they kind of had that similarity where they had this inner child. Yes. They, they all chose of them. to. Yes expressed through art yes a good way of putting it i guess totally. yeah, that'll work for me but yeah he was unable he was able to do these things without conveying his message of of religion he yes. didn't preach totally you know what i'm saying oh was he and, a religious um, guy even to the end yeah he was oh mm-hmm. my goodness i did not know that yeah he was but he didn't it was like i said it wasn't something that he was just constantly you know throwing at people yes. or trying to get he wasn't preaching all the time he just used that to sort of guide him through life and shape him as the man that he became that is a cool thing but yeah man it's just it, it talks about you know his early career um i believe it's been a while since i've seen this guys but i believe that the show that he started off with was called the neighborhood and it was just a pbs thing and uh pbs at that time didn't really have a lot of funding i'll get to that in just a moment but it shows this one particular part. Once he creates Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, which ran from 1968 to 2001, I believe. Jeez Louise. Yeah, I mean, that's a hell of a That career. is a run. Do it 33 years, G? Yeah, man. Golly. I didn't realize it was that long, but he did it. I like that. Golly! Golly! <laughs> where is but he from? He, um, oh, where was he from? He was from... Southern, no? No, no, no. Pittsburgh, I believe. Wow, what an interesting accent he had. Or affect, maybe. It was an affect, for Okay, sure. okay. And I think that was that gentle side of him again. You know what I mean? Did he ever get married? Yeah, he was married, and they interviewed oh, his wife, actually. Dude. The documentary features among, you know, his not only including his wife, Joanne Rogers, but uh, David Newell's in it, who played Mr. McFeely. Remember him? Speedy Delivery. Yes, Speedy Delivery. Yeah, he's cow, in it. Dude. Still alive. Yeah, uh, Joe Negri, who played Handyman Negri, is in it. Um, and then an interesting part, and they showed him quite a bit, was Francois Scarborough Clemens. Do you know who that is? I do not know who that is. This, this is I'm going to come back to him, but very interesting. He played Officer Clemens on the show. He was um, a Broadway singer, I believe, and he got onto the Mr. Rogers show, and he was a gay man. So this guy had a couple of things, considering 
you know, the time that oh, it was man. that were working against him yes. for the fact that he was a homosexual mm-hmm. and the fact that he was black. Yes. You know, and he was dealing with racism. And then at that time, they're showing all of this footage of, you know, like a, of just of the times that, yes. that they were in. Lots of, you know, rioting and racism and war and, you know, just just feeling different. Yes. You know, death, divorce. I guess what I'm saying is they didn't show all these things, but but that's what the show talked about. Yes. That's how, you know, Mr. Rogers was really good about bringing those real thing, real issues, real mm-hmm. life issues mm-hmm. and talking about them to kids. You know, and, and teaching them not to feel bad about these things, teaching them to understand it where a lot of adults couldn't do that kind of thing. Yes. Even parents didn't really know it. They just would, they would shield their kids from that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas Mr. Rogers took that first person approach to be like, yeah, well, you know, you're feeling different, but yeah. and he'd have all these songs to, you know, the, the songs that he did were a little on the, like if you were just to take him a face value, yeah, he'd be like, yeah, whatever. It's just another kid's song. But you have to consider the times that he was singing these things to these kids. You know, there's there's one episode where he talked about the Vietnam War. That's some heavy Whoa. shit for a kid. Yeah, and again, divorce and death. The pets, you know, your 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 pets die, parents die, friends die. That's um, there was this one episode. Yeah, there was this one episode about racism. Now going back to um, Francois Scarborough Clemens, where Officer Clemens walks up to Mister Rogers in the in his backyard or on the studio set, and you know how like I'm sure you remember this, but do you remember that one particular? It's actual footage of there's a black family and I believe it's in the sixties and they're at a hotel swimming pool. Oh yeah. And they're, yeah. and that guy pours bleach yes. in, or whatever it is, pours yes. chlorine into the pool to get him out. Right. Mm-hmm. So they showed that scene. So that was, you know, I think he took, he was inspired directly from that. Mm-hmm. So getting back to his episode, he's sitting there. Um, Officer Clemens walks up to him in his backyard and he's got like a little wading pool and Mr. Rogers is in the pool with bare feet washing his feet as he says he, oh, i'm just cooling off you know <laughs> washing my feet so he's like would you like to share so that was his way of kind of like you know focusing oh, that. Yeah, it's normal right there yeah I it's normal right and there. healthy for people to you know share each other and to, and to share experiences and not have that divide of skin color you now, know what i mean it's all shit that, that we all well, now did, did, did <laughs> a couple did, years ago i would have said everyone knows that but i know that's not the case no anymore, but yes did mr rogers know that he was gay it never came out that he was gay until later on, but he, I think he just sort of knew and he just told him like, I wouldn't, let's not advertise this just yet. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, let's, let's, let's keep you safe. Let's keep our show safe so we can continue to pass this message on, but let's, let's, let's not do that just yet. And, um, Francois Clemens did mention that he was kind of taken aback by that at first, but eventually down the line, I, I don't remember exactly how long it was because at one point he was actually married on the show, like not on the show in real life, he was married and he had, there was an episode where he had Francois Clemens and his wife on the show that didn't last very long for obvious reasons. So when he eventually did come out, he's like, yeah, I, I forgot how he put it, man. It was actually really beautiful what he told him. And I'm sorry guys, it, seriously, it's been like probably three weeks since I've seen this, but um, he, he told him like, yeah, I always, I always knew. And I always had your back. And I was wow. just, you know, he, I just was trying to protect you. And I'm totally missing the mark of what he was saying. But what he told him about that is like, yeah, I always knew. I've always loved you. You're just, we, we just had to wait. You know what I mean? And yes. do this when the time was yeah. right for your sake. Uh, it was really beautiful what he told him. And I really did not do that justice. But that was one of the more moving parts of the movie for me. He was just a beautiful person, dude. I did not know 
how beautiful he was. But I'm going to go ahead and talk about the most, the scene that really got, there's two scenes that really, really got me. Now, this is something, guys, that I would highly recommend you check this out on YouTube. Matter of fact, when I got home that night, I watched the full version of it, and I think it's only like maybe 20 minutes long. But there's a point where PBS is, like I said before, they were low on funding, and they were seeking a grant. So they had to go to the Senate hearing. And there was this guy, I don't know if you're familiar with Senator John Pastore. Do you remember no. him? It was a long, long time ago. But this guy was like a notorious hard ass. And it's this beautiful scene of Mr. Rogers sitting down and, you know, he's in the hearing basically. And he's like, I'm seeking funding for this show. I advocate for children. And he just starts talking about his show. And, the, and you're watching this hard ass John Pastore like melt right in front of him. And he's talking about how, you know, um, I believe in advocating for children. And, you know, when kids feel different, they shouldn't feel different about it. And, and I sing these songs to them. And he's like, um, he said, but it would take me like 10 minutes to really give you my whole entire, he said, I have something written up, but it would take me like 10 minutes to give this to you. And he's like, well, do you want to go ahead and read it? He's like, no, 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 that's okay. I'll just go ahead and, you know, give you some, some highlights of it. So he's talking about his beliefs and, and how he feels strongly about PBS needing the funding and advocating for children, 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 children. And, um, again, you're just watching this guy, everything, like normally he would just shut people down. You know what I mean? But with him, he's like, well, yeah, please tell me more, tell me more. And he's like, well, I'm certainly going to be watching this now. And within about 20 minutes, which of course they had this completely edited, uh, Mr. Rogers, Fred Rogers single-handedly won $20 million of funding for PBS because of the speech that he gave to Congress. It was beautiful. It was like so awesome. That was the scene where I went, oh, like Fred Rogers is no joke. This is where I started to realize, like, oh, I'm, I'm going to pay even more attention to this movie now because this dude is just, he's phenomenal. Uh, there's another part where um, during the peak of the Vietnam War, he used the, the neighborhood of make-believe, as he called it, to address political issues and discuss, like, tearing down walls. Like, he was ahead of his time. Of course. And, yeah. and uh, what was his name? It was um, King Friday the 13th. Do you remember him, King Friday the I 13th? Well, he was, like, the, the king. You oh, know, he was no, the king I remember the king. I didn't, know, was, I didn't yeah. know that was the name, though. Yeah, King Friday the 13th. Okay, okay. But King Friday the 13th was more of like, you know, people are different. Let's put up walls and keep people out. And and he used this neighborhood to like, you know, to break this down. What was the other lady's name that was in it? Um, he used to have a big old crush on her. Miss, uh, she's like 70, 70-something 70 years old now. But uh, Lady Aberlin, I think her name was. But she was acting out this skill with them, basically, and, and Handyman Nagri, and they're just talking about how there should be no walls. And I think this went on for like a, maybe a couple of episodes, but eventually what comes out is, you know, the King Friday comes to this understanding that, you know, yes, you're right. There shouldn't be walls, knock them all down. And, you know, and it's just relevant today. That's why I think that they put that in there to be quite honest with you, but it was very, very ahead of its time. Uh, what else can I talk about on this one, man? I'm, I don't want to talk too much about it because some of these things I think need to be seen without my interpretation mm -hmm. of them. There was this other part. It got me, man. He had this, this family wrote into him and they said that we have a, a handicapped son. He really, he's a huge fan of your show and, you know, we'd like to have him on and we don't really know how long he's going to be around for. He was, he was, uh, severely like deformed and he was in a wheelchair, but he had all of his wits about him, mm -hmm. but he just wasn't a healthy kid. So Mr. Rogers did this whole segment with him and that's when the water started coming out of my eyes, man, because he's like singing this song with this kid 
Oh, and it's the kid over. Starts, nope. And then the kid starts singing along. Nope. It was this really nope. beautiful thing. But what was even more beautiful about it was years down the road, I'm talking maybe 20 years down the road, something like that, when Mr. Rogers is inducted into the TV Hall of Fame, they bring this kid back on stage and they have this emotional reunion. I'm just, I'm just fucking crying. Oh, no, like I'm going to sit in the man. back. I'm just going to sit in the yeah, back. Yeah, sit in the back, dude. That's what I did for sure. I always sit in the back, but that time I was really glad I did. Well, I remember hearing someone was talking about it and he, they said... As soon as the music started in the beginning, they were done. Yes, it's true. As soon as you hear Mind the you, they weren't even do looking do forward do to do it. Do they do just do said, let do me just do sit do in do here do and just watch it. They said, as soon as the music started for Mr. Rogers, everyone in the theater started taking Kleenexes. I think it's I the will time, s- dude. I really think I it think has so. to do with right now. You're right. It's right now. And I think that the world needs a Fred Rogers. They real. I mean, okay, think about it. In the context of right now, Fred Rogers talked about breaking down walls and and advocating for children. Where right now we're building walls and putting children, taking children away from their parents and putting them into cages. And he was also addressing racism. Dude. And yeah, I mean, it's just right now. This movie needed to come out. Dude, I don't think people are. um, And I think the people that I mean, obviously, when you're doing a Mr. Rogers documentary, you're not planning on where the world is. Sure. But you know that no matter where the world is, it could use a Mr. Rogers. However, yeah. right now, this very second, um, I I need to go see it because there's times where I wake up and I'm just like, it used to be, oh my gosh, this happened. And now it's just like, again. Oh, this happened again? again yeah, I know. Again. Right. And so I just like, I need, um, I need something for two hours just to be like, oh, that's right. These things can happen. These things yeah, man. happen all the time. And so that's what I that's what I really want to uh I definitely want I gotta go watch it in the movie theater, dude. You you're giving it a ten out of ten, sounds like. I am totally giving, I'm giving it a 12 out of 10, man. Um, Just a couple more things. Uh, But I did want to say, and obviously this wasn't the kind of term that they were throwing around back then, but Fred Rogers was woke as fuck. You know what I mean? Like he was just, he just, he was just, he had his, his finger on the pulse of society. Mm -hmm. He was just watching it from his perspective and, and doing what he could to fix it. And uh, you know, politics in some, in a show like this is really a death nail. And I do try to avoid that guys from time to time, but I am very curious if Fred Rogers was alive right now and oh, still dude. advocating what he'd be saying, you know, oh, because he dude. would, I guarantee you, he would address it. If, it. if he was young enough to do so, like he would be addressing this whole thing. Not that he would change anything, but maybe he would. I, I don't know. But I think that children would definitely have a better understanding of what's going on as opposed to being in their rooms, playing with whatever they're playing with and listening to their parents freak out or watching the news. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think the good thing is we're, we're, the children are way more, um, it's good and bad because children are way more aware of what's happening, which makes sure. it hard because that means they're way more able to choose a side early. Yeah, they're aware of what's happening, though, Steve, but I don't think that they can comprehend. Oh, no. they can. Well, I think I think um, I think the best. Uh, I wouldn't say that. Never mind. Let me change that. Like, here's an example of what I'm talking about. You see these crazy people that are out, you know, protesting. Yes. Um, something just hateful. Let's yes. just say something hateful. Like, uh, what's that Westboro? Baptist church or something like that. Let's just use that as an example. And you see these little kids there Mm -hmm. that are holding up signs that say God hates fags or something like that. These little kids don't know this. They're just doing what their parents are telling them to do. And that's, what's really horrific. You know what I mean? And, and again, granted, 
I don't imagine that these parents would allow their kids to watch something like that, hypothetically, if it was still around. But it would be a, a fantastic outlet for someone like Fred Rogers to be able to, you know, explain these things to these kids and allow them to make their own decisions whether or not they were truly allowed to or not. You know what I mean? That's very, I think, and I, the good thing is, in my opinion, uh, well, no, it's not an opinion. We're going to outnumber them very soon in the next decade or two. It's going to be not even close. It's not even going to be can only hope. And I, I think our children's generation are going to see a different time. I mean, because even, you know, I think that this is crazy until like I'm at a service and I'm talking to a, a black grandmother and she's just like, boy, this has happened before. We've done it, been there and got the T-shirt. What y'all are yeah. dealing with isn't game changing at all for us. You know, sure. what I'm this is something. It's just it's done. just a um, it's just shocking to us. And a, like, it's a reawakening of something that should have never been exactly awakened. I you will know what never. I mean? Yeah, I will. Um, I hope that we do get a even though it will be hard today. And like right today, if someone started being a Mr. Rogers type, someone might be like, you're ignoring how horrible the world is. You're doing a pie in the sky thing. However, mm -hmm. I think for children, they need to see that kindness and love so that they could be like, I don't know what's going on across the street with those signs, but I know that that's not right because they've been raised and they've been watching this and been around this love that they're like, this isn't right. I don't know what they're, I don't know what they're picketing, but I know those signs and what they're standing for is just wrong. So I'm not going to be part of that. And you want it to be intrinsic, like inside them, the internal moral compass is saying, I'm not sure which side is the right side, but I do know that that's the wrong side. So I'm going to stick around here right now. I don't know what's going on, but because right now they're just like, um, you know, we have children that we don't really teach anything to as far as a lot of times. We don't tell them the reality of the world. And so they go to college and they're like, okay, who makes the best argument? And I'll join your club. That's not how you do it. Right. You don't want, you join a crazy freaking uh, a, a, a crazy group because their leader just happens to argue better than the other. You don't want that. You want someone to be like, oh, I don't need to hear your argument. Next question. I don't even need to hear you talk. I know what group I'm not going to be part of. And uh, I think that's the thing Fred Rogers gave. He gave a group of children the ability to say, I don't need to hear the other side's argument. I don't because I know where it's coming from. I don't know. Yeah, he Kindness is a I mean, for him to tackle certain certain subject matter and do it in the guise of not even a guy, it's real. Do it under the totally real. He's just a kind person. Uh, if you don't mind me asking, how did he pass away? Was it natural causes? Uh, he, I believe, he had cancer. Ah. Uh, I was trying to actually. I was I was literally trying to look that up right now because I wanted to talk about that. But I believe it was cancer that got him. He ends up getting sick at the end of the towards the end of the movie. And um, I will try to find that as, as you know, we're talking here, but uh, did you, were you going somewhere before I continue? Uh, no, I just wanted to know how, he, I just didn't, I never knew. I just remember when I remember him passing away and uh, it being a, like, oh, that's freaking sad. I remember being like, oh, even though, again, I'll admit it wasn't a daily view for me only because of what I watched every day. Well, you know, uh, I think, you know, I was watching like, you know, good times and what's happening and, you know, stuff like that. But also, I'd occasionally watch uh, Mr. Rogers, and I knew that it, it had a, he held a great place in my heart 
you know, because when he passed away, I was like, oh, that sucks, you know? So I would love to see more about him and learn more about him. Yeah, it's weird. It's like, you know, as a child, oh, and by the way, it was stomach cancer that he passed from. Yeah, that's ugly. But, you know, as a kid, I totally embraced Fred Rogers, watched the show, watched it up probably until, I was probably watching it, to be quite honest, when I was like 12 years old. And then, of course, you just change interests. And I would see it. It became more of a joke. Oh, one more thing I'll talk about. Uh, getting back to like more of a joke. You had mentioned that, uh, not on this show, of course, but we were talking about Fred Rogers at one point. You had mentioned that, uh, you know, you you were more into like, not necessarily more into, but you you were more familiar with, say, like Eddie Murphy's take on him. Yes. Or something like that. They talk about that in the show, too. And he was cool with it. He had a very good sense of humor about that kind of thing, but he did not like it being used. He was cool with Eddie's, but he did not like it being used when it was, you know, um, with violence or in poor taste or anything. I think Eddie kind of danced that line a little bit. You know what I mean? Because it was you know, he, he would joke about robbing his neighbors yeah. and things like that. But he... There was, he shows a picture of him. He holds up a pic, like a Polaroid picture of him and Eddie Murphy, and he liked Eddie Murphy a lot. But there were other people that were utilizing his um, persona for negative things, and it really, really pissed him off. That was like one of the things that bothered him most in his whole career. Uh, I just wanted to bring that up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's. I mean, that's where I normally like. I think when I first heard about Mister Rogers, not even when I first heard, that's the thing that sticks out a lot to me because. It was Eddie Murphy, and he was when I was a kid. He was it. Yeah, he, he was on he top was of the it. world. And and the interesting thing is, it had to come from a place of love because his around his you know time. Of course, I'm sure he watched Mister Rogers. Everyone watched Mister Rogers, and think about how dope that is—a PBS show getting worldwide acclaim. I don't know any PBS shows now. Yeah, I mean, the only other ones that were really, that I can recall, I should say, that were really popular were like, um, and they're still around, just in different forms, of course, Sesame Street. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, what was the other one? The Electric Company. I don't know if oh, you remember yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Morgan Freeman got his start. That's right. And... I remember. What about, what, what channel was the Great Space Coaster on? Oh, shit. You just went way back right there. Do you know I know that whole song? I'm not going to so sing it, though. Yeah, we, uh, let's see. Shall we? <laughs> let's do it no uh no i believe it came on like it was just on network television really? i don't remember what yeah it was something that i watched every morning before school though what about kids incorporated little after my time but my sister PBS, watched yes though i don't think so i think that was like Dang maybe it. fox so never i think mind. it was fox it was, so it, was, it was mainly sesame street and mr rogers keeping that thing alive. and the electric company holy yeah, that cow it. dude mm -hmm. oh and crazy. let's not forget uh what's lavar burton's oh reading rainbow. reading rainbow yeah so those were the main ones man but i was i watched now that i'm thinking about it i watched a lot of pbs as a kid so did i and i think you know, i think it helped i really do it's better than watching all this kind of other crazy shit that oh, kids have now. Totally. you know what i mean and I, and I know that makes me sound old but it's to me it's true we are we are up there g we're getting there. It's all right, though. It's all right. Can you see me right now, bro, yes, on the Skype? How do you think of this with this gray beard? You like that? Oh, that. it doesn't It doesn't come out through the, the thing. Ah, uh, so I just look more handsome look, is what okay, you're saying. But always, though. You're, I mean, yeah, you. every, that's the one thing people say where you work. They're just like, where's that handsome guy? Where I'm is like, that handsome son yeah, of a bitch at? Sure does. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But um, hey, one more thing about this movie, and then we'll, we'll move along. Because I really honestly could talk about this movie a lot. Uh, as, as I'm bringing it up, it's all coming back to me. You know what I mean? But there was this emotional scene at the end, dude. This is what left made me leave in tears. And don't worry, we, it's like it's not something like, oh yeah, you're, you know, you're gonna get sad right now or anything like that. But as when he stopped doing the show, 
he uh, one more thing. He came back for when nine uh, eleven happened, mm-hmm. and you could really see because the times had changed. Of course, you know, like you were just saying, he would he had uh, he'd helped you know kids through a certain yeah. time. He, not only did he do that, but he helped multi generations mm-hmm. of kids <laughs> through this time. So you know, he he went away for a little bit, and they asked him to come back. Like the world needed Fred Rogers, you know, and they wanted him to talk about 9-11. But he was already on the ass end of his show. I think it had just ended. Well, that was another emotional part, too, was they, where they filmed the last day of that. That was Jeez, another great baby. scene. Yeah, but um, anyway, he was very reluctant and very frustrated about even going on the air and talking about this because he sort of felt like maybe the times had changed and that he just, he's like, basically he said, like, what's it going to do? You know, but he did it. But he was very, very awkward. It doesn't show because that's just Fred Rogers. But he was very, um, he just wasn't comfortable. Yeah. But that was a really important scene. But the one that got me the most was at the very end of the movie, right before he passed and right before when he wasn't doing any type of um, television anymore. He was just going out and doing speeches. And he would do it for like college graduates and things like that. So there's just one part where he's giving this speech to these college graduates. He asks everyone to take a minute like a whole minute, close your eyes and think of someone that left a positive impression on your lives. And they actually give you that time in the movie to do so. And so I did it. And dude, Dude. I mean, I start thinking about like my father, I'm thinking about my father-in-law who were just, you know, they're both, they passed within a year of each other, but they were so important to me. And that just got me, dude. And, and at that point I realized that it got everyone. There was this, uh, an older man, I would say he's probably like in his 70s or 80s. I'd say like probably in his 80s. And he was with this young woman. I assume it was his granddaughter or something like that. And they, he was just bawling, like <laughs> that kind of thing. You know, who wow. knows what he was thinking about. Of course. And when you come out, everyone had tears in their eyes, dude. No exaggeration. There was probably not a big theater, but I would say there was probably like 50 people in there. Not a goddamn dry eye in the house. Of course man. not, dude. Yeah. So, you know, in closing... Guys, I cannot recommend this movie enough. I don't know how much you've heard about it because, yes, it has been out for a while. And I have been sitting on this one for a while because I've been thinking about it the whole time that we haven't been recording. Because I wanted to tell you, good folks, go out and see this movie. If you can still see it in the theater, just do it. Pass up any... I, I know we've seen, you know, Infinity Wars. And I know that we've seen Black Panther and all these, you know, these, these great movies that have come out this year. These movies do not compare to the human spirit. You know what I mean? And, and, and they don't compare to this movie. I'm telling you right now, in my opinion, this is the best movie that I've seen this year. And I highly recommend you guys get out there and see it. When it comes out on VOD, buy it, you know, and keep it with you and show someone that hasn't seen this movie because it, maybe this is part of it. Maybe this is how we kind of get back on track and realize, hey, this guy did, you know, he's gone now, but look what he did. And maybe it'll inspire someone to do this in the future or something like that. But again, as, as you can probably tell, I cannot of speak course. highly enough about this movie. Um, I will see it again the first chance I get. Oh, I can't. Let's, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to watch this movie and see if it takes over Black Panther for it. If it gives me the same feels of seeing Wakanda <laughs> and be like, I wish I was there. Let's you can't compare it, him, homie. Let's see if it, re, if it overtakes that amazing tear that I shed when he's like, this will never become old. And I'm like, take me with you. Maybe Mr. Rogers will do it. I'm going to start doubting you if you compare this movie to Black Panther. I think I might because it meant, I think, no, but those are the, because Mr. Rogers means something and Black Panther means something because it was just like seeing beautiful black people that I'd never seen before on a big screen. No, it that's real. Like, I feel what yeah, you're Yeah, I was like, you know what? It's going to be hard to take that out because I saw kids in there saying, I see me on screen. Yes, 
Yeah, and you're seeing it from from a yes, black perspective. Yes, yes, yes. I get it. Yeah, that was an important. So I'm gonna see if it takes. Oh, I'm a, I'm interested to see. I think, but it's it's not, you know what? Let me change that. It's not take. It's not about taking over. It's about me getting happiness from a new experience. That's what I need right go. now. I need happiness again. And then if if, if the Mister Rogers leaves me feeling wonderful and appreciating the people around me, that's what I need right now, dude. I mean, I wish it was on video on demand now because, you know, sometimes it has in theaters now on Comcast. I'll buy. I'll just go ahead and get it. I'll just rent it off off the jump because sometimes that's in theaters now that you could watch. So I'm going to check Comcast now or Xfinity and see if it's on. I can pretty much guarantee that it's not. That's a shame because weaker movies are. I think that this one's going to float around for a little bit before we get to see it on VOD. I just have that feeling, although, well, it's not going to take that long. I would say we're probably not going to see it for at least another two months. I'm actually looking right now to see if it's still playing at that particular theater. And it is. Okay. I might Go see, see it. it. Yeah, I might Go see, see it, man. There's only two. I think it's like at two o'clock and 1030 that, you know, the kind of showings that they're having now. But get go out there this weekend, man. I'm telling you, I know we've like clashed before on movies and what I think is awesome. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm going back to that whole bittersweet thing. Sweet bitter, which I did not we think normally, was awesome. Yeah, we normally agree. Right. Well, there's those times, though, where it's like, dude, I well, took I'm your right, advice. wrong, yeah. I just, yeah, okay, sure. <sighs> <laughs> it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Won't you be my neighbor? He played jazz, right? You know, they didn't really talk about everything that he played, but they just showed him. Play. Yeah, I would say it was kind of jazz. That dude that, was dope. He, he was dope. Classical jazz, yeah. but he was super talented. You know, he was, he was dope. And you know what's funny, though? The church pushes out talented people. Like, when you see the most, like, you know, Aretha, Gladys, all these people that sing so well and play so well, they're like, hey, where did you start singing and playing? 90% of the time. It's like, at the church. Yeah, I had a stage when I was nine, and I just belted it out. You had to. Not me. I'm yeah. I'm just saying, yeah. I, I exactly. remember, this is so off topic. I remember I had never played the organ, really, or in front of people. And I was in a church, and uh, the person up front, I was visiting this church, and they were doing their thing. I was like 21, 22. And they are like, Steve. I was like, yes? She said, come up here and help me with this song. And I walked up to her. I said, uh, ma'am, I don't know how to play this song. And she whispered in my ear. She's like, there's only one way to learn. And I had to get down and just learn it in front of a hundred and some people. Were people throwing things at you? Like, Dude, I was terrible. Off. She never <laughs> complained though. And so now when she sees me playing, I know part of her is just like, I remember. I That's remember an inspiring that. instructor right there, man. People that do that kind of thing and let people believe in themselves yep. and give them the opportunities to do so are the best people. Yes. And now and those are the people that we remember. It's now it's yeah, those. And it's, it brings it back to Mr. Rogers. It's, it's a, mm -hmm. it's a, it's, Close your eyes and think. And I have, the thing is, I've had such a blessed life. I'm about to say a strong statement. I think this is a an over-the-top statement, but I'm standing by it. I think a person can, uh, one of the measuring sticks of the life that you, that you led is how long you can close your eyes and think of people that have actually inspired you throughout life. How many people have you ran into in that in that minute that Mr. Rogers gives gives to you, can you keep your eyes closed and keep thinking of people that made an impact on your life? If you can, your life has been better than you think. That That's means a you have a it. whole list of people that have inspired you and poured into you over the course of your life. Some people had one. Some people had two and they're gone. Whereas you could still be like all the way up to now. You have people that like, whenever I talk to this person, 
this person does not it's not just a bullcrap conversation it's someone that's either listening or is just saying and is not listening to respond they're listening to hear you speak and say okay now that you've said that let me pour reality and truth and love and honesty into your life you don't owe me anything have a good day how many people do we have like that I was actually thinking about that as you were talking about it. And it's weird. I don't know, quite honestly, if I have anyone like that anymore. You know, that's a hard thing. It's a hard thing to have. And um, sometimes I know that for me, since I um, since I don't put myself out there to get it, of course, I don't have it. But if you actually if I put myself out there to have that person, I'll have it a million times over because. Um, I've actually like would ask for, Hey, I need your advice. When's the last time you've asked even the listeners, when's the last, last time you've called someone who's like, Hey man, I need your advice on something. I'm really having an issue. Or do you just feel too proud and be like, what do you think of this? That's what do you think of this is a different question than I need your advice. I need your advice. I need your help on something. Can you give me, and you know, it's been, I, I was oddly enough, I'm reading this book and this books, um, it says, Asking for someone's help makes those people feel closer to you. It's a mental trick. If you say, hey, I need a favor. Asking someone for a favor makes that person feel closer to you. So you're doing them a favor by asking them to help you. Never not ask for help because it makes them feel closer to you. And don't ask me like, okay, I'll do this for you. No, no. Just them doing you a favor makes them feel closer to you than they did before. So I need to start saying, you know what? I need advice from you. What do you think I should do in this situation? Maybe the person gives me terrible advice, but now that person is now saying, I feel closer to Steve now. And now they'll get closer to me, know me more, understand me better and be like, you know that advice I gave you two years ago was bad advice because I didn't know you like that yet. But thank you for putting me in your life to be able to give you future advice. I appreciate that. Now, the people I really ask for advice for is people that are like 60 and over. Because if, yeah, that have been through that it. That have been because I'll be like, this is the worst day of my life. They'll say, "Boy, you will not remember this day in ten years," because I was there and I don't remember that day. You won't remember, and they put things in perspective. Like this is going to be a nothing day for you in, in your book of life. This is not going to take up a page of your book. Calm. Well, down. just know this, dude. Know this. You are that guy for someone. You're that guy for your kid. I'm that guy for my kids. That's true. You know what I mean? And, and and I really do feel that way. I've been, since I've been home, I've had this opportunity to be able to like really sit and talk with them and give them some advice. You know, my son's going, not, he's not going through anything, but he's, he's 19 and he's, he's trying to figure out what the next, the next step in life is, you know, and we've had some really good heart to heart since, since, you know, I've been home. Not that we don't have them when I'm working all the time, but it's just a lot easier to do so. But I'm going to say something that is a little bit on the cliche side, and it's the last thing I'm going to say about this movie. And I really mean this sincerely. It is the kind of movie where personally I walked out and I I literally, not just saying this for the sake of, hey, go see the movie. I literally wanted to be a better person. Like I, like it showed it showed me here's the gold standard of someone. You know what I mean? Where are you? And I really had to kind of look at that personally and think about that and i don't think i'm a poor, uh, a poor person or a bad person or anything like that you know what i mean a, a poor person didn't sound right what i'm trying to say is um i i try to live the best life that i yes. can live yes but it told me that i need to do more 
And that's how I, that's what I took from the movie. It's beautiful, dude. See, so please awesome. go see this movie. And, and you know what's funny? This is super cliche too. Right when you said cliche, this popped in my head. I remember watching, I used to love watching As Good As It Gets, right? And every time he said, um, she's like, what? What are you trying to say? And he says, you make me want to be a better man. And she says, that's the nicest thing someone's ever said to me. And I was like, oh my gosh. If I made someone say that, I'm doing my, that would be the nicest thing someone ever said to me. If they were just like, Steve, you make me want to, if my son, dude, if my son one day said, dad, you make me want to be a better man. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me you wouldn't tear up. Absolutely, man. I'm a, I mean, I'm a big softy to begin with. Now I am, G. I think something's wrong because everything. Nothing's wrong. It's age, man. We're in our forties now. Yeah, I really think that's it. I, you know what I've heard is that after surgery, sometimes more specifically heart surgeries, which I have, you know, thank God I've never had. Um, I hear people get very emotional about that. In fact, I was just, I don't, I'm not ready to talk about it yet, but I was just watching a uh, documentary on HBO about Robin Williams. And there's a part where uh, he did have open heart surgery. Mm-hmm. And when he woke up and just started living life again, he, he was just crying at everything. He, he made that part of his, uh, his act. A whole, you know, sequence in his act was that this whole part about him just crying at the drop of a hat now. And that's how my father-in-law was, too. I mean, he was a guy that really, he was very emotional and he was very loving kind of guy, but you never really see him crying. And after he had his heart surgery, dude was crying all the time. If you did something nice to him, nice for him, rather, it would just really move him and he'd start crying. But I have noticed that, you know, I've had a couple of surgeries and granted, it's not my heart, but I have noticed since my, my first shoulder surgery Maybe I'm full of shit, but I feel like I'm way more emotional now. Or maybe it's just age. I don't know. I don't, you know, I, I think it's a, um, in my opinion, because I haven't had surgery or anything, but I think uh, for me, it's a allowing yourself to feel. It's okay to feel stuff. It's not, um, I remember at one point they're like, uh, when's the last time you cried? I'm like, I haven't cried in 35 years. And it dawned on me, like, that's not something to brag about. It's just not. It's not a good thing. Is that really the case? At a certain point, I hadn't cried in 36 years. Wow. It was a long time. And you know, to me, it just seems like that's something. I'm sorry. No, I didn't no, 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 off, no, 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 no. All I was going to say is that it just seems like that's something where, uh, for lack of a better term, it's it's just stuffing everything down. Yes, that's exactly what you're doing. And now all this stuff, at the drop of a hat, I'm crying everywhere. <laughs> and it's like, oh, all this stuff is now coming out and be like, oh, finally, we get freed. And the thing I'm crying about isn't that thing. It's something else that needed to get out and it's now coming out through that thing. You know, I, I, yesterday, I remember uh, on the way from the gym. Uh, oh, it's kind of it's kind of has to do with you a little bit. Um, I remember you saying that you cried when Stevie sung Overjoyed. Oh, and I was randomly looking <laughs> through it. I was like, let me see this. And I was like, wait a minute. I didn't know Celine Dion and Stevie have a version of it together. Dan. I don't think I want to hear that. You d- Oh, no, no, no. You do not. Because I wept from the time I listened all the way home. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I'm not going to no, start being tacky about it, but I, I just don't care good. for Celine Dion. No, no, no. It is that good. Because she does, what she does is, I was like, oh, she listened to the original. Because she does riffs that he did in the original version. So she's singing it like him. And he's doing a brand new take on his lines. 
So I'm like, oh, she's not trying to overpay, which you don't do when Stevie's in the studio. She is literally singing this song along with him. And they're harmonizing. And I'm just like, oh my God. I'll have to check it out. And it, remember, that wasn't one of my favorite songs from Stevie. I thought it was good. A lot of my non-favorite songs from Stevie weren't, you know, the reason that they weren't my favorites because I heard them so much growing up. I heard Overjoyed all mm-hmm. the time on radio. But the songs on the albums, I had never heard. So those are my favorite. Like, oh, I never heard this song before. This is amazing. But when you're, I will agree with you, when you're in front of him and he sings Overjoyed, if you don't tear up, it is because he's doing it. The guy who wrote it is singing it and doing it just as well as ever before. But I've realized that, you know what? Whatever these emotions are, whatever kooky. Oh, and like, um, I'm not even a Cat Stevens fan. But there's a song he talks about. Oh, I know what you're going to say. What song do you think I'm going to say? Oh, wait, no, 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 no. I don't think that's Cat Stevens. What, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, there's a song um, where he's telling his son. He's giving his son oh. lessons. Yes, oh, yes, yes, yes. Dude. That is the song, dude. That's the song I was talking oh, about. Oh, my it's, um, God, And it dude. was just so I so we were on the same page. It was actually in, I believe it was Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Oh, really? I haven't seen Guardians. I think Guardians. so. I'm the worst, dude. I still haven't seen that movie. Eh, you're not missing much. But um, yeah, that song now, messed me up because now the words, I'm like, oh, I'm saying this. Find a girl. Yes. Da, da, da. I yeah, like, oh I, I can't think gosh. of the names right now. It didn't mess me. I was like, oh, I'm going to be saying this to Maj soon. You know what? Speaking of that song, it's driving me crazy at the moment. Uh, when my son was a senior in high school, uh, he was in Akadek. And those, you know, the kids that are in Akadek are very very in tune with their emotions and they're very close. It's a bit, it's a great community. Is it academic decathlon? Academic decathlon. Yeah. Sorry. But his teacher who was just this one, he's one of those people that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Those inspiring people that, that, you know, yes. Teach you to strive for perfection and to be the best person that you can be. He, He had one of these instructors and the instructor, he changed the lyrics a little bit. But he sung this to the class, the oh, graduating dude. class. And my kid was a sniveling mess, apparently. He said it was really, really moving. So that song was very popular at one point uh, in this house. We oh, were listening wow. to it a lot. Just just over the last year. And it's driving me crazy that I can't think of the name of it. And, right and you know, the funny thing is, it's also this weird thing that's happening to me where I'm listening to new music a lot now. Especially since you put me on to certain things. Now I have Apple Music. And I'm just... Again, instead of being like, if you like this, you'll also like this. I'm like, oh, I don't listen to the Eagles. I'm like, you know what? Today I will. And then I hear a song. I'm like, I like a song by the Eagles. Because 20-something million people can't be. That's one thing that's real. If if it goes Thriller and then the next album sold the most is Eagles, those amount of people can't be wrong. <laughs> there has to be something good. So I listen to it. I'm like, oh, I get it. Oh, yeah. I, I like this. You know, uh, Taking It Easy is a good song. It's a, a good song. And I'm like, oh, oh, pretty good. Okay. And I'm opening myself up to new experiences that I'd be like, I don't listen to uh, Crazy Looking Eagles. Your boy listen to Jodeci. <laughs> I'm on the Jodeci tip, man. I'd be like, those things aren't even in the same in the same wheelhouse, dog. You can like both. And, yes. and I'm opening up myself to new experiences. I'm glad that you're doing that, man, because it's okay to to like what you've always liked. Totally. But to say that ah, I don't listen to that because, you know what I mean? Like, 
I used to do that, and I still kind of do, to be honest with you, with country music. I just cannot get down with country music. It's it's not it's not that um, I'm not the kind of guy that's like, oh well, all country music says, oh I lost my dog, my dog died, and blah 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 blah. No 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 no. You know what I'm saying? It's not that. It's just not my way of life. Yes. So I can't really relate to it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? There's a lot of things they talk about in these songs that I don't. She thinks my tractor's sexy. You know what I'm saying? I understand that's a funny. They're being funny, yes. but I don't relate to it, no. so I don't like it. However, I have opened up a little bit more, particularly in the town that we live in, where people want to play that every now and then. Yes. And there, there, there are some songs that are kind of nice. I've, I've, I'll say this. I think I'm good with like Garth Brooks, and that's about it. But I'm willing to, <laughs> I'm okay with it. You know what well, I'm saying? I, I, yes. Garth is, but I think for me. He's a different person. Yes. And, and he's like the Taylor Swift. Before Taylor Swift. He made it cool to like it. Like, oh, country is cool because he wasn't, he wasn't super country. He was a country guy, but he somewhat, somehow bridged the gap to a mass audience where people are like, I don't like country, but I will go see Garth Brooks in concert. And that's me. Like, I, I'm not going to sit and wax about country music because I know you're going to, you're going to hear ignorance come out of me because I just can't do it. But Regarding Garth Brooks, a lot of people told me, hey, man, this guy's amazing yeah. live. Like, he, he does some really, really amazing things live. Yes. And I've heard this for 20 years, and I just never, you know, thought about it. And then he came to town, and I'm like, you know what? I got paid pretty well. I did some overtime. What the hell? I'm going to go check it out and just see for myself. And I, getting back to what we're saying, I took that chance. And loved it. And just... Yeah. I mean, I was like, you know, low places. I don't don't know the names of the songs or, you know, any of it really, except for like that one. But it was a it was a moving show. Like he I would go see him again. I still don't know any of his music, but I'll still I will go see him again. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and put my fucking brand on this one too. A recommendation rather go see Garth Brooks even if you listen to you don't like it and you, and you don't want to get like maybe maybe not go see Garth Brooks right now it's kind of a fucked up time but anyway yeah, get a chance check him lot, out yeah that's a yeah <laughs> you know I'm gonna go ahead and just retract that yeah, whole statement I and maybe I'll come back to that in a couple of years <laughs> yes. I'll come back to it in a couple of years yes. hopefully even though so, I would see because uh, there's uh, maybe a, just listen to him or watch it yes. watch a concert on TV perhaps now there's not a specific I wouldn't put a specific name out there but there's a song uh Two years ago, I listened to uh, that finally, you know, we were joking around. It came on the radio. I think we were like in Walgreens or something. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, me and my friends doing, it wasn't a, like, it was not a reunion, but it's like someone I hadn't seen in a while. And the problem is I I listened to the song Walgreens and it couldn't, I couldn't get it out of my mind while I was in the car with them. So we were talking, but in my brain, I kept on reciting the lyrics so I wouldn't forget it when I Googled it at home. And it was Willie Nelson's You're Always On My Mind. And I was like, it reminded me of, of a specific person. I was like, it's almost like he wrote it going through my, and when I list, I, when I read the, what, what, how it happened behind it, I was like, oh yeah, 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 that's it. <laughs> the, the, the writer went through exactly what I went through. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, oh wow, what a great song that, that's a good, but Willie Nelson is woke too though. So that's why I like him so much. Like I'll, 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 I'll write, I'll, I'll say, you know what, as, as far as what I've seen, he's on the right side of history. So I like Willie Nelson too. I was actually thinking about that. I'm listening to every word you're saying, but I remember that uh, Elvis sung it. Was that a was that a Willie Nelson song? Let me see if Willie Nelson, because that's the first time I know the writer. Let's see here. Willie, yeah, Nelson. Willie wrote it. The but look at when, when you get a chance, look at the background of that song. 
I mean, it's such an honest song. You know what I'm saying? It's, oh, it's a good song. Yeah, it's an honest song where I think a lot of, I know for people do. I know I fell into the trap of, well, you know, when we were together, I didn't do enough. But I promise you, in my heart, I meant to. I was always trying to. Hey, I don't like to be, um, I hate when I like say something that's wrong. So I'm going to correct myself. Always on my mind for those that are saying right now, no, it wasn't written by him. It was actually written by Johnny Christopher, Mark James, and Wayne Carlson. And it was first recorded, fun fact, by someone named Gwen McRae, who I have no idea who that is. There, I feel better now. Oh, nicely done, dude. You're welcome. Yeah. So what else have you been watching, my friend? Wow, we went on one there, didn't we? That was good. good. I miss talking to you, Hudson. Likewise, sir. Normally, you're just listening to me break down shit, and I can imagine that could be kind of maddening. I love so it. I, I miss I talking to you. Well, hey, check this one out. I got another one that I watched. I'm curious what you think about this. I know that you watched the first episode. I happen to be reading the book as well right now. Hold on a second, because I forgot the name of the author. Jillian something or other. <laughs> Baby, I didn't treat you. That's actually a really good rendition, ladies and gentlemen. If you guys could clip that out whenever you're feeling down and out, just play that. Maybe I didn't stoop you quite as good as I could have. All right, dude. So the next thing that I'm talking about is a show called Sharp Objects that's on HBO. Mm -hmm. I know that you watched the first episode. I I happen to be reading the book as well. The book is written by Jillian Flynn, who also wrote Gone Girl. A little fun fact. Oh, yeah. So now HBO has put out a show. Uh, This particular episode that I was this is I'm talking about the first episode Mm -hmm. uh, was written by Martin, excuse me, Marty no- Noxon, I believe. Yeah. And it was directed by Jean-Marc Vallier. Mm-hmm. Stars Amy Adams, who plays Camille Preaker. Camille Preaker is a uh, reporter. Now, in the, in the show, she's actually from St. Louis, or she, she works out of St. Louis. In the book, like I said, I'm reading that too, she's from Chicago, or out of Chicago. But she comes from a town called Wingap, Missouri, which I believe is a fictitious town. But Camille Preaker has problems, ladies and gentlemen. She's a, a severe alcoholic. She's also... Um, do I really want to go there? I don't want to blow this for you, but I will say that she's got a lot of problems. She's got some, um, some, some, some issues with herself, mm-hmm. and I'll just say that. But in the story, she is fresh out of a mental institution for this particular problem that she has. And she's back, and she's working again. And she, um, there's a guy named Frank Curry who is her editor who kind of takes he, – he likes her. He knows that she can do better, but he knows that she's not doing great right now. Frank Curry gets a hold of the – you know how like they um, – I forget what it's called, but you know how like for the news – departments they have like that ticker thing it's it's like you see all the news that's going yes, along yes, everywhere kind yes. of thing well he discovers that in her in camille's hometown of wind gap there was a um situation where there, a young girl went missing and then also a, a, another young girl was murdered so he tells her hey why don't you go ahead and go back and let's get a story let's bring it back you know so and so got a pulitzer prize for this particular story in his hometown she's not feeling it at all because there's a lot of problems that she left behind in wind gap she ultimately says, yes, I'm going to go ahead and go back. And she, she, uh, she heads back to town. She, this, this is a crazy, it's a crazy show the way that they're showing it on HBO. It's a great book. I'm not saying that either of them are, you know, better than the other, but they're different. And I will say that, um, it's that Southern Gothic feel. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. I love shows like that. Even like something like, uh, it that came out yes. recently, that small town, 
lots of dark characters, lots of interesting people, and there's like a darker thing going on in the town. I like that kind of shit. Yes. And this is exactly what that is. It makes you really feel for Camille Preaker. She's got issues so much, so many issues. <laughs> and she goes back to her town. She ends up staying with her mother, who is a terrible person, absolutely terrible, by the name of uh, Adora. And she also has a, like a stepfather and a half-sister. So the whole premise of this is her trying to go back and figure out this murder mystery. While she's there, she goes back initially because one girl's missing and there was a girl that was murdered. But while she's there, the other girl that was missing turns up murdered. Mm -hmm. So now we've got our case on our hands. There's also another guy that's coming from Kansas City who's a detective. And, mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're, they are, but they aren't working together. They're like they have like this bond, this camaraderie, but they're not really sharing information with each other. Mm -hmm. I don't know the whole story yet because I'm not all the way through it. But, um, I found this to be a really, really good show, man. Uh, I will say that it ran, a, after reading the book, I feel that it ran kind of slow. Like it's a slow burn is what I'm trying to say. But the acting is awesome in this. I'm a big fan of Amy Adams, uh, Patricia Clarkson, yes. who plays Adora. You know, she's you may have seen her in uh, Green Mile. She was in Easy A. She was in House of Cards. The detective that I'm talking about is Richard Willis, who was played by Chris Messina. And he does pretty well in this. But it's just a very interesting story. And I'm so freaking intrigued with it right now because I don't know what's going to happen. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to hold off on watching the rest of the show until I finish the book. Yeah. Because I don't want to get too, I don't want to get it too twisted. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even though I will say that the very first episode, which is entitled Vanish, is pretty much outside of like location and maybe just a couple of subtle changes is very much spot on to the book. That's why I think I like that episode so much. But I think I'm going to finish up the book and then come back to it. But I will tell you that I'm very intrigued. I think this is a great one. And the reason that I wanted to bring this one up, ladies and gentlemen, is because I want to talk about one of our own. We have a listener by the name of Melissa that has been with us since the word. And she, along with someone named Jared, have a show, a new podcast. She have they've, they've dipped their toe, Steve, into the podcasting waters. And they've come up with something called Wild Pretty Things Podcast, which is a, a direct companion to the HBO show. And of course, they do comparisons to the book. Mm -hmm. And she's a huge fan of pop culture and things like that. And she's been one of our best listeners. I will tell you that right now. I wanted to give them a congratulations because... I'm not sure. I think they may have been the first one to come out, you know, a show that's a companion mm -hmm. podcast to this. However, within the first week or so, they hit number number one. What is it? I believe it was 124 on the iTunes podcast TV and film charts. So my hat goes off yes. to you. I'm very proud of you, man. That's awesome that one of our own is out there making podcasts totally. and entertaining people. Totally. So again, I'm going to give it a little bit of a plug. It's Wild Pretty Things podcast. You can get it on iTunes pretty much anywhere that podcasts are available. Check it out. It's a breakdown type podcast and um, I wish them nothing but the best. Congratulations to the both of you. Melissa and Jarrett, congratulations. One 24. I'd like to be on there one of these days. I'm a little bit jealous, but I'm giving you love. Good job, y'all. Um, what did you think about it, though? Um, I'm probably... Uh, it was a little slow for my taste. I got you. Yeah. Like I said, I, I do know what you're talking about. It's a bit of a slow burn. Yeah, and I don't know what's... Like, for me, it's like, I like slow. I don't mind slow if something's happening. But so far, nothing's happening. Gail just finished the book. We were, it was one of those things where we decided to read the book at the same time. And then she like lapped me. Yeah. And she really liked it. So I can't wait to finish it up. But it's like, again, I, I guess I'll just go ahead and read it real quick. And then I'll, that way I can finish watching it because I've only caught the first two episodes. I just decided just to talk about the first one, but I think it's a great show. And I think y'all should check it out. But even though I'm not into the show, I'm still going to listen to my homegirls podcast. Cause that's how we do. And I listen to hear her talk. Cause she's awesome. So let's all do it. What else you got, brother? 
I think I'm going to narrow it down to one more now, man. And I think that we can both talk about this one here because uh, it's, it's the craziest thing I've seen all year. And what I'm talking about, there's this cat. There's this group, I should say, by the name of The Coup that came out of Sacramento. There's this hip hop group and they've been, they're like kind of, I wouldn't say activists, but they are a little on the political side. They had an album that came out. Oh God, I've been listening to these guys since, since the nineties, I think. And uh, one of the albums that they had was called Genocide and Juice. Has a song on there called Fat Cats, Big of Fish, which is still one of my favorite songs. It's a great video. Check it out. But uh, the guy that I'm talking about, the, uh, the, the, the leader of the group is Boots Riley. Boots Riley, my friends, just came out with a movie that he produced and directed, and it's called Sorry to Bother You. Oh, man. <laughs> what a freaking movie, dude. I don't even know where to start with this one, but I can tell you that it is, it is probably the most interesting thing that I've seen all year. I'm not saying best. I'm saying the most interesting thing. This movie is crazy ambitious. And there's just that so much is. going on in this movie, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's so original. I can, I, I guarantee you that there's nothing like it playing anywhere <laughs> right now. No. I thought it was great. Uh, it stars Lakeith Stanfield, who you might know from, let's see, what was he in? Well, we know he's in Atlanta, but he was also in Get um, Out. Get Out, thank you. It just wasn't coming to me. It stars the beautiful Tessa Thompson. Got Jermaine Fowler. We've got Steven Yeun that's in it. Uh, there's a few other people that are in it too. Um, Amari Hardwick. Terry Crews is in it f- for a minute. Danny Glover. Uh, it's a, it's a, we got, okay, here's the thing about this one. I'll tell you that they're in it, but they're not technically in it. It also has David Cross and Patton Oswalt. Yes. So now let me just break it down a little bit for you. Not necessarily a true breakdown, but I'll give you the premise of what this is. It says, uh, in an alternate present day version of Oakland, telemarketer Cassius Green, and that's Lakeith Stanfield, discovers a magical key to, to the profession's success, uh, propelling him into a ma- Yeah, that's what he is. He's a, he's a telemarketer. And he's, he starts off, he's down on his luck. He's, he's, he's one of the, you know, it's like that classic down on your luck. He's he living, living at his uncle's house. Nothing works. He drives a bucket. He doesn't have a lot of money. Uh, one of the funniest things that I, that I thought, it was like right off the bat, was he goes to the gas station. He's driving this bucket to the gas station. He goes, give me 40 on two. And he drops 40 cents into the, yep. <laughs> into the teller's thing. He's that kind of a guy. So he ends up, uh, someone turns him on to a, um, a telemarketing gig. He goes there and he learns quickly that, what you need to do to be successful in this is you need to uh, code switch, if you will. Wouldn't you say that's the I would the right say to, code switch. Um, how he code switches, <laughs> yeah, extreme is code switch. Very, very funny. I I don't know how many of y'all haven't seen the commercials. If you haven't seen the commercials, I say go in blind. I'm not going to yeah, tell I, you I, how we go in blind because that I would love to have been totally taken aback by that. I would have been like, oh, this is interesting. You're making me not want to say it now, and I think that's probably a good thing. But there is a certain oh man, style, a certain technique that he uses to propel so himself good. up, and it's in the commercial. So yeah. if you do see the commercial, you will know right away what the whole gimmick is. Don't watch it if you can. Avoid the commercials if you can. I would highly recommend not watching this movie. So I mean the commercials. Excuse me, not yeah. watching the yeah the trailer. Thank you. Don't watch this movie. Yeah. This fucking movie sucks. No, it's it's actually I, I highly recommend you do watch it because. I'm still processing this thing. I'm not entirely sure what I saw. And when I walked out of the movie theater, I, I was kind of quiet. And I was like, I really wasn't sure if I liked it at the time when I saw it. It was something that I had to sit down and process for a little bit. And I'm glad that I did because it actually, you know, you, you take this movie at face value. Yes. And you just see it. You see this, this comedy play out. Yes. And then towards the end, no spoilers, it completely takes a different turn. I mean, yes. it goes 
genre switches. Yes. And um, it goes full sci fi. It's a yeah, sci fi. It goes full sci fi. Mm hmm. Yeah. So if you just take it at face value and you go, okay, that was this weird movie with a weird script and crazy actors and, you know, it was, it looked different. And, and, um, some of the things that they do, which I'll get into are really brilliant yes. now that I'm thinking about it. Mm -hmm. When I sat down and I thought about it afterwards, there's so much going on in this movie, man. Mm -hmm. There's so many messages. This is what I want to talk to you about. Cause I know that you've seen it too. And, um, but there's so many messages that this movie has that you may miss if you're not truly paying attention to it. Would you agree? Yes. It's an angry movie. Yes. It's uh it's political. Yes. It's a representation of the times right now. Yes. Especially for workers. And especially for yes, workers. Yes, particularly. Yeah. Particularly, yeah. So um let's talk about it, man. What what are your thoughts on this movie? Um it's it's if you're interested in workers' rights, if you're interested in what success looks to you and what you're willing to do for it and what you're willing to give up for it, regardless of the consequences, um, if you're interested in uh, unionization, stuff like that, justice. This is the movie for you because they don't. Some it's it's not one of those things where it's just like this is right, this is wrong. The end. It's so nuanced and it's a very interesting movie. But at the end, you know exactly what side you stand on. Um, there's so many things that happen in this movie that seem like oh my goodness, that's insane. But when you think about it, if given the okay, that could happen in the real world. No question. If given the green light, that's the scary thing about this movie. It shows what would happen if certain, people's in, if certain people in power were given a green light to do certain things. You know when you walk away, they would do it. They would totally do it. And that's the scary thing about this movie. The fun thing about this movie, the interesting thing about this movie is how they don't shove the content down your throat. You just have to... You have to um, digest it. Yeah, you got to process. You got to process, and some people will process it. Some people, they're just not gonna lie. They're just—it's just not gonna happen for them. Um, during my showing, two um, two people walked out, which is—I oh, yeah? totally—I uh, uh, don't understand it. But from their point of view, I could probably see how they, it just—they don't understand it. They don't get it. But the people that did stay, a few were like, "What?" and other people were like, "That was awesome." It was just all depends on you got a reaction. And that's what a movie should do is get you a reaction. I'm not giving any specifics of this movie because I want you to go see it and be surprised because anything I say, um, the more I get deeper into it, I'm going to accidentally slip up. So I will say there is no if you like this or if you like, if you liked a movie like, uh, let's say, do the right thing, you're, you're probably going to like, sorry to bother you because both take on justice issues as a sideline to an actual narrative. These things are happening, but there's also a narrative in the story that is separate from those justice issues. Same thing do the right thing does. There's a narrative separate to the justice that's happening or to the injustice that's happening. So if you like that sort of thing, you need to watch this movie and Especially if you if you know what code switching is, you're going to laugh at the code switch in this movie. Tell them what code switching is. Um, code switching is is when you uh, it's like when I'm with my boys, I talk a certain way, and when I'm at work, I talk another way, depending on who I'm around. If I'm in the supervisor's office, I have to code switch and talk a certain way around the supervisor. If I'm around you know the brothers, I'm going to speak differently. We all speak differently. Like if they put a, a radio or a, a recorder in 
you know, while I'm playing dominoes, they're going to be like, we can't tell which one Steve is. We don't know because we don't hear Steve there. Nope. He's not in this room until you see it. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> but at work and, you know, at different places, you have to code switch. Anybody, you know, especially uh, black folks have to code switch because uh, you could tell you have to put on the, you, you will. And when you see it in the movie, you're going to be like, oh my gosh. Yes. Code switching. Yeah, you're right, man. I don't want to really spoil anything it's, about this movie. Because it's uh, such a original, like, <laughs> when I, I was not expecting to see oh, what I dude, saw when dude, I went in there. Dude, I had an idea of what it could be, but I mean, it, I was so wrong. Well, you know, <laughs> you know me. I almost got up. I almost ran, dude. Oh. Woo! <laughs> yeah, if you follow... Um, <laughs> If you follow our show and you know that Steve has some issues Ooh. with uh, certain things that he talks about quite a bit. We talk about it quite a bit on the show. Not quite the same thing, but Close. I really wish I would have seen this movie with you, man. Because I would have oh, been, like, no, <laughs> been you the whole time. I think if we would have gone together, we would have made, we would not have been quiet. We would have both been like, what the? Like, we would have looked at each other like, <laughs> what just freaking happened? Like, this movie. And, okay, now this is separate from the movie. Bruh, how... Awesome is Tessa Thompson. Tessa Thompson Ooh. is fantastic in this movie. What was her name? Was it like a Detroit? Detroit. That's it. Yeah, she she's something else, man. She looks she's beautiful in this movie, by the way, too. But Tessa Thompson is just shooting up to the stars right now. This is the time. Of oh, Tessa dude, for for her to be able to do Valkyrie and this, she is not let. And then she does the Janelle Monae video. She's not letting anyone dictate her trajectory. She was in Annihilation. I've seen her a lot lately, Which man. Was she can't. You really. No, it wasn't at all. Wasn't. She and I liked her character in that. It wasn't a, a big part, no. but I liked her character, and I I really don't think that she can do much wrong. I wouldn't say it's over the top her character, but it's definitely she's a very interesting character, very, very. artsy, um, in the way that she presents herself, and she's just some. She kind of lit up the screen anytime she was on. Yes. And now let's talk about Lakeith. Oh, dude. Okay, dude. He's great. I'm worried though. I know exactly what you're going to say. May I try to Go take a guess it. at what you're going to say? Go for it. And I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're just going to flip me on my head and say, no, that's not what I was going to say at all. I do have a fear that that's, that's Lakeith Stanfield. Yes. Like what we that's see. That's my thing. He's aloof. Yeah, no, but his, his character. You yeah. know what I mean? Like there's those certain characters that you see. Now, I'm not comparing the two. But to give you an example, you, you see a Will Ferrell movie. Ah, it's just Will Ferrell yes. again. You know, that kind of a thing. It's, it, it's definitely yes. that. Why am I, I apologize guys if I'm coming in too hot, but I keep getting, well, my levels are like popping. Now there mind you, Sorry. people are like Tom Hanks gets paid to be Tom Hanks on every movie. Yeah, but he can transform himself to some degree. I think they write a movie around Tom Hanks so that it's just like, oh, this is Tom Hanks in a different, like Castaway is Tom Hanks on an island. And that was a major movie. You know what I'm saying? Like, What's the last movie Tom Hanks did where he was not Tom Hanks? I don't know, but I like that title. I think that's just what I'm gonna call it from now on. Tom Hanks on an island. Uh let's see. That's a difficult one. He's Tom Hanks. Except well, his biggest transformation Phil to me would be uh well yeah, Philadelphia. That's an excellent movie, by the way. Not the happiest Forrest movie, Gump. but an excellent movie. Forrest Gump is what I was gonna go with. That's the movie where he completely transformed totally. himself. And he was it was well deserved. Now, um, 
that, Speaking of Tom Hanks, uh, he's actually going to be playing Mr. Rogers, dude. He's coming up in a uh, – it's not Won't You Be My Neighbor. I forget what the name of it's called. But uh, he's going to be playing Fred Rogers. He's going to have to lose a lot of weight. Up. He's going to have to lose some weight. I, I'm not entirely sure I see it. I was talking to Gail about that when we were driving home. I'm like, can you see Tom Hanks playing Fred Rogers? But he surprised us before. We'll see what well, happens. Well, no. Like after – if you could see Rami Malek as Freddie Mercury and then he did it, I'm not questioning anything in Hollywood at this point because I would have no. never imagined him being Freddie Mercury. And when I saw the yeah. pictures, I was like, "Welp, turns out he's Freddie Mercury." <laughs> Did not know that <laughs> there is a Freddie Mercury under him. So um, I would say if if Lakeith, I'm worried that he only has one gear, but if he does a gear switcheroo, well then then it's a game changer. Or he could literally make a living being this guy because there is no other this guy. He's the best aloof character I've seen. You know, I got to say this though, man. In all fairness, the role, the major roles that we see him in, I imagine that's what they want from him. He totally. Do you know what I mean? Totally. But take Get Out, for instance. You know, at the beginning of the movie, he was kind of the aloof yeah. guy that's, you know, talking on the phone like, oh shit, what's going on? You know, that yes, kind of thing. Yes. But when we see him again, that wasn't Lakeith Stanfield. He was able to bring himself He was able to do bit. a little, yeah, that's true. And- so yes. I don't think we've actually seen him do this yet. No. I'm sure he's got the talent to do so. But then also I have to understand that, you know what? Um, I'm going to have to see him in a few more things, but I'm wondering if my idea of Lakeith Stanfield is because of his mannerisms and his speech pattern. It might be a situation of he is doing a, it's just, that's how he, that's his speech pattern and his mannerisms, which makes you think only because I've seen him in Atlanta and he uses that speech pattern and those mannerisms that I think, oh, that's, it's him. But um, but I don't know because look at uh, Donald Glover seems totally different from Parks and Re or not Parks and Rec, but from Community to me. He doesn't seem like the same character in Atlanta as, as Community. That's no, like two and different people. I would dare to say that Donald Glover's more talented. Well, yeah, I mean, straight up. Look, now, now, now that when you're saying like as far as in general as a whole, talented and versatile he is very versatile and you know he's got a lot of versatility dude i just heard um something about him from a random person uh, that's odd that you bring him up but we'll bring it up next time nick kroll had a long thing to say about child about uh donald glover oh what the hell what do you say he uh what happened was he was talking to uh you know Dak shepherd has a podcast Oh yes, I'm actually in the middle. I just started listening to that so it's something that i'll uh you're gonna run into i'll listen to yeah. very soon and he, yeah. he's like uh uh, Dax was like, dude, Donald Glover is, he is an insanely talented, like he said, um, he was talking about Atlanta. He's like, dude, Atlanta, right? Out of nowhere. And Nick Kroll, dude, he, he said, dude, I, it, Atlanta is so good that I said it in my, in my, uh, he, he says it on stage. He said, Nick Kroll says, can you imagine if I would have created Atlanta? And was like, Cause he was like, uh, Dax was like, it's, it's such a, a perfect show. And I was like, wow, Atlanta's really crossing over. And Nick Crow's like, yeah, it's perfect. It's just, it's so authentic. It's the most authentic show on television right now. It's just those people in that setting. And that is Atlanta. And um, he talked about how he knew him. He was coming up through uh, UCB. He was in UCB. Um, and so he's like, he was a class underneath me, but I'd see him come in and do his thing. You know, he was already one of the upperclassmen in child in uh, uh, Donald Glover came up underneath him doing comedy or whatever. So he was able to see him around or whatever. And he said, 
upright citizens yes, brigade is yes, what you're getting at. Yes. Right? Yeah. And so he's like, uh, he's like, there will be times where he'd come in and be like, hey, I'm going to do new comedy like this. And everybody's like, uh-huh, yeah, do your thing, Donald. And then he'd come in, hey, I'm going to start singing. Okay, Donald, yeah, do that. I'm going to start directing. And Okay, all right, buddy. Yeah, okay. And he said, being real, a lot of it wasn't good. But he was okay with being not good at first. He would go out there and just be not good. Not a good rapper, not a good this. And he said, so to see him now be amazing and put out something like This Is America, he's like, I remember him. Be, he said, uh, and Dak, because they were talking about self-awareness and being self-conscious. He's like, that's a guy that's not self-conscious. He's like, this America has a shirt off. He's not ripped, but he's comfortable in his own skin. And that's what happens when you're comfortable in your own skin. You're willing to go, I'm okay with being bad at something until I'm good. And putting that badness in front of people until I'm good. I don't care what you think. And he just did it. I was like, you know what he did? He was bad until he was good. That's crazy for you. Normally people are like, I'm not going to put out anything until I'm good at that thing. And that wasn't him. He was like, I'll just put out stuff until I'm good. What a change that could be. That's fire inside right there, man. That is You know what I mean? You're not crazy. you're not allowing people to tell you what they think Bingo. is is right or should yes. be done that way. And you're just going, no, I'm gonna do what I do best yes. and what feels right to me. And you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But in his case, it's made him very successful. Yes. And that's that's what uh, uh it was funny because I was, I was I when you brought him up, I was like, Oh yeah, I just heard about him. I think Lakeith and um Tyree Henry, that whole crew. Uh, Zazzy Beats on Atlanta. I think they're all kind of doing that. I don't care what you think about me thing. And that's what's happening. That's what you get from, that's the vibe I'm getting from Lakeith Stanfield. He doesn't care how people take him. He is going to be authentically Lakeith. And whether I want him to uh, find another gear or not, I have to appreciate the hustle. Like I can't knock the hustle of a guy's like, I'm going to be authentically me. And he may he is now making a career off of being authentically him. And I think all of those Atlanta folk are going to do that same thing. So, I mean, th that's just for Lakeith Stanfield. But as a whole, what I mean, I just can't wait to what Boost Riley does next. What is next after this, dude? I don't know, but I know he's not going to stop. He has been pushing the hell out of this movie. Naturally, he wants it to make a lot of money. He wants it to be successful. But I think this guy, and and you can tell by his lyrics too. I'm not going to say I'm a huge fan of all of the Coos albums, but if you go back to the earlier stuff when it was just raw and angry, Boots has a lot to say. And I don't think that we've seen the last of him by any means, particularly if this movie, I know it's only uh, in limited theaters. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? I know that they, they actually, they, they put it out a week. I was surprised that Fresno actually got this movie. We're not the biggest city in no. the world, but we do get some pretty good movies a lot yeah. of the time. And uh, but I was surprised that this one came through. The next week, I think it went out because of um, you know the, how it did over the weekend. I think they went out to like a it maybe doubled or something like yeah. that as far as the theaters. But it's not going to be this massive release. But once this movie gets to VOD, oh, it's going to be successful. Um, this is kind of a bold statement. But I will put this into the category. I think that this is going to be a huge cult movie for people. Mm -hmm. And um, it's going to be one of those movies that you you cherish and those ones that you come back to, uh, much like, say, something like Friday. Oh, totally. It's nothing like the movie Friday. But there is a little bit of that cult, that feel to it. Yeah. Which, by the way, that was Ice Cube's first venture into directing and things like that. Didn't he direct that he movie? Wrote, he wrote it and F. He wrote it. directed it, yeah. Right, right, right. And so... What I'm saying is there's a comparison, in my opinion, there's a comparison to to uh, Sorry to Bother You because 
whereas it's a really good movie and you know obviously that's going to be your decision on whether it is or not but it's a very ambitious movie and it's flashy and it it it, it grabs your attention it holds your attention the entire time there is a bit of an amateur i don't want to say amateur no i will say there's a bit of an amateur feeling to it i i, I what i'm getting at is i think that boots riley tried to throw a whole bunch of shit in and not necessarily all of it works so the way that it's mapped out seems like it could have been maybe um streamlined a little bit more and i think that comes completely from you know a uh and the rawness of it comes from that amateur. This is my first going at something like this. And he'll get better as he goes. And by no way am I knocking this guy. But to me, I took that. I, I could kind of see that. Like, oh, this is a new. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the word amateur out. And I'm going to be a little nicer about it. Because I didn't mean to insult in the first place. It's a, You can tell that he's a first-time filmmaker. That's what I'm getting at. And I think that uh, there. But there's something that 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 makes it even better. I think that's why Friday did so well. Not only was it a fantastic script and it was hilarious and it just had all these, you know, these, these colorful characters in it that people are still quoting today, but there was something about the rawness of that movie that I think helped, you know, contribute to its longevity. Totally. Yeah. I mean, there's something endearing to a first time director's outing. I think it's, uh, I think it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to go down in my opinion as, uh, a cult movie that's in the same vein of, uh, the usual suspects or, uh, 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 What's that? The sixth sense where someone is like, do not tell them anything about the second half of this movie. Cause you oh, want I was to see curious somebody. where you're going there for a second, but yeah. you're absolutely right. You, yeah. Cause you're like, when someone's like, Hey, have you seen sorry to bother you? They're like, Oh no. Oh, you're going to, and someone's gonna be like, shush, don't say anything. Let's just put it on. And they will be waiting for a certain moment just to see the people be like, wait, what just happened? Yeah. And that's going to be the movie that I'd want to show people like, have you seen Steve? Sorry to bother you. And if they're like, no, I'll be like, oh, let's watch it right now real quick, G. Because I want to see it happen. Right. Or or even someone that's like, oh, you know, I started watching it and I just couldn't get all the way through. I only got about halfway through. Oh, then you have not, you have not seen, seen it, what this movie is. Yeah. You have not. You don't. You have no idea. Nope. <laughs> so go in blind like Steve recommends. And I think that you're in oh, for a ride. Dude. Whether you like it or not, yeah. you are in for a ride. You know, and um. Definitely gets the points for the most original ambition. Oh, dude. He's, I mean, I I can't wait to hear what um, Boots Riley is going to be working on next. Because he's going to have, I think, I hope he stays true to himself. And I just hope that, I'll say this. I hope that this movie is does not end up being a commentary on his career. Where Boots Riley has always stayed true to good. himself. I, I got a feeling that it's particularly if he, if that, that directing bug, that writing bug really grabs him, which I think it already has. Uh, we're going to see some equally ambitious things coming from him because he is not one to keep quiet. He's one to speak his mind yeah. and he's definitely one to take chances. Oh, and and I, that's what I love because even though if Spike Lee, if he gets, you know, he'll do a movie, independent movie, a bunch of them, and then he gets an inside man and it turns out you're like, oh, this is what happens when you give him a lot of money, but he still stays true to himself. He still... There's certain things that are very spikely, like the rolling train shot where you see the guy kind of floating down the street. He's going to put that in because, hey, this is still a Spike Lee movie. He didn't lose himself. And so regardless of what you think of Spike Lee movies, it's a Spike Lee joint, regardless of how much money they they, they give him to make the movie. So I hope Boots Riley could do the same. So go out and please see. I'm sorry to bother you. One more thing on that movie. It's actually, I don't know if you're familiar with this or not, Steve, but did you know that the concept of this movie was kind of already for public consumption years ago? Mm -mm. The concept of the movie is the Coup's last album. Oh, I didn't know that. Which is called Sorry to Bother You. 
So all of the concept is in the album, but they just, you know, I'm he just made it, it. I'm going to check it out. Yeah. It's, I'm not entirely sure you would dig that album, to be honest with you. I could be completely wrong about that. And I'm not saying that it's a bad album. I'm talking about me talking to Steve. I'm not sure if that's your, your joint. I think that if you are some, if you're looking to see like the angrier, like, like where he really came from kind of thing, check out Genocide and Juice. It's, it's, it's fucking awesome. It's oh, such, it's a, good such a good, that's a good name too. A matter of fact, I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure you get that by the end of the day. How about that? I think I'm gonna have it on Apple Music. You may already have yeah. it, actually. Yeah, I'm gonna check that. it out. You do have my iPod? I forgot about that. <laughs> um, I have bad news for everybody. What's that, man? I have a job and I must go to it post haste. Oh, you're one of those workers. I am. One of those guys that goes to a job. Yes, I've tried. Every- I used to be that guy. Dude, I've tried to run and hit my shoulder on the door jam accidentally, quote unquote, but I just can't get the same results. So I think I'm gonna. <laughs> I think I think I'm gonna have to just go on in. But I loved having another episode of Heroes of Noise, G. Yeah, I'm so glad to be back, you guys. I'm I'm sorry that we were gone so long, but uh, don't expect that for a while because I do promise you that we're gonna have a new show out next week too. If, of course, maybe I should have talked to Steve about that. You got any plans, man? No, but you're. You when when are you coming back? I'll be back on Sunday. That dude is coming. Dude, you are okay. Is it okay to say you're going on vacation? Yeah, why not, dude? So just don't tell him where I live. Dan is <laughs> yeah, going on fine. freaking vacation for the first time in 21 years. <laughs> yeah, we're uh, gonna go do some Southern California family things Come for on, a dude. few days. Hit the coast, eat some seafood, ride some rides, go give away too much money to the evil empire Disneyland. But other than that, yeah, we're going to have a really good time. It's something that my, my family has not had a vacation altogether. They go on vacation all the time. I work too much, but we haven't had a vacation together in like in a, an embarrassing amount of time. So this is something I'm very much looking forward to, but I will be back on Sunday, Steve. Okay. Uh, we're going to, we're going to handle the whole word thing. That's going to be no problem whatsoever. And I'd say that we probably record on Tuesday and have something out maybe Wednesday. Sound Perfect. good to you? Perfect. And, uh, Look for a Twitter video of him throwing bills, making it rain in in, in uh, sunglasses in Southern California. Yeah, there will be please no video of that. Please do that. I please, man. You're in Southern sure, California. <laughs> you got to start flying them bills with like sunglasses. by the Hollywood sign. Yes, you want to buy and, the Hollywood and sign? And make sure it goes slow mo. Okay, man. I I think I can do that for you. We are going to be in Hollywood. At Come on, G. And then put it. If on only the you see it, of, I'll do it. Oh no, you got to put on the heroes of noise. Uh, heroes of noise Twitter. All right, fair enough. Done deal. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, you know we love you, and very much. So. Everybody, send love to Dan as he goes out on his wonderful trip. Make sure you you wish him well, and uh, hopefully he makes more of a habit of this situation. And um. Again, I got plans. Oh, you're, you got to, bro. We love you. And I'm signing off saying peace out. And the next voice you're going to hear is Dan. Yeah, folks, that's it for me. And uh, you just heard my man Steve talking at you. We will be back next week. I cannot tell you how happy we are to bring back the Heroes of Noise. We didn't go anywhere, but we did have to take that hiatus. Thank you very much for coming back. Thank you very much for listening to the whole show. Uh, Feel free. You got questions, comments. Hit us up at heroesofnoisepodcast at gmail.com. Go to our website, www.heroesofnoise.com. Let's spend some time together. Let's get to know each other. Get those emails in and uh, let's converse. Let's get to know each other and we'll share them on the show. All right? Good? Great. For the Heroes of Noise, I'm Dan Ramirez. Peace.
almost 10 o'clock. See, I got a ball of lift for property, so I slip my baby on sloppily and promenade out to take up a collection. I got game like I read the directions. I'm wishing that I had an automobile as I feel the cold wind rush pills. But let me say that I'm a hustler for real, so you know I got the stolen bus pass. Just as the bus pulls up, then I step to the river. So, ladies.